is the podcast to the show you can listen to or know. Welcome to our Ted Lasso talk, the Tedcast. Welcome, all Greyhound fans. Welcome, all you sinners from the dog track and all the AFC Richmond fans around the world. It's the Lasso way around these parts with Coach Coach and Boss. Without further ado, Coach Castleton. All right. Welcome back, everyone. We are here. Oh, we are so, so excited to discuss Season 3, Episode 7, The Strings That Bind Us. We are uh, we're so fired up. This is such a great episode. Every time we think, man, we can't get better, uh, you know, it's so uh, it just keeps getting better. I don't even know how to uh, quantify it at this point because even episodes like this where I have to admit I'm – some of the subplots are not in my, you know, sort of t- the top of the list for me. Um, I still think, oh my god, this is this episode is stunning. Um, I am your host, Coach Castleton. With us usually is Coach Bishop, the dear beloved Coach Bishop, but he is under the weather today. Um, and in his place, we have asked a fellow antagonist, uh, senior editor. And a gifted writer and one of the people <laughs> I adore being around. Uh, his name is uh, John Brown Spires, and he is coach. Well, you know, we were trying to figure out his coach name, and Coach BS didn't have uh, the ring of authenticity. So, but you've said it, so that's it now. That's it. <laughs> that's we we landed on Coach John, and you called an audible, and so that's that's that. <laughs> That's it. Audible, audibles are part of sports, Coach. Um, true. And, and, That's and, true. And uh, with us, as always, is our boss, Emily Chambers. It's still construction season in Chicago, so apologies if you hear. Uh, I think they're sawing something. It doesn't sound like jackhammering, but I think somebody's putting in a new deck. So we're going to deal with That's that okay. for a little bit. It's okay. And it's also, okay. I'm uh, wearing my Coach Beard shirt, so it's it's equally okay. <laughs> Where'd you get that, boss? Oh, some asshole sent it to me a little bit ago. Um, yeah. I don't no. remember who. No. No. It's a no. shame. Because I. Are you also within sight of your Coach Beard prayer candle? <laughs> yes, I is still it have it in the room with you. It is okay. It's, good. A, it's in good. arm's reach. Um, also, you're just doubly a, blessed. I'm. I'm. Uh, yes, I'm doubly blessed. And also, I should clarify the the beard T-shirt is in fact from uh, Coach Castleton because even though I am cruel to him, <laughs> he likes it and is nice to me. No, 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 no. That's you. You like it when people are cruel to you. <laughs> if you didn't like it, you wouldn't keep going back. Yeah. Why are we <laughs> friends then? If you don't yeah. enjoy people being mean, what am I doing here? I think I just justified abusive relationships and I didn't yeah. mean to do that. <laughs> what are you so talking about? We should really move on. That was this is, this is a terrible start. I'm, I'm here and I shouldn't be. Here we go. Okay. All right. Well, listen, boss, if we hear some sounds of construction, it's fine because in, in the words of the great Sam Obasanya, um, it's a reminder that not everything has to be perfect, right? Mm. Uh, today we're going to go over episode seven of season three, the strings that bind us. Oh my God. We're so excited. You know, up until a couple hot minutes before this episode dropped, uh, coach, you want to tell us a little bit about the, uh, what the title was like, I think what, within 48 <laughs> hours, they changed the title. And it's this is doubly amusing because you didn't realize this until about one minute before you hit record on this episode. But yeah, this episode uh, is is officially now called "The Strings That Bind Us." But until I want to say 
you know, they dropped it on Tuesday night. I want to say it was like Saturday or Sunday. It was called Boxes when when this when the when the preview went up and the the the, the first images and everything and the synopsis went up. It was called Boxes, which um, made it the third in a row of a series of. of pluralized noun titles that we had episode five was signs episode six was sunflowers and this was boxes um there's certainly a lot of thematic relevance to um to to boxes and to kind of um breaking out of them in this episode we we get a lot of character beats that um or excuse me character development that that matches with that there's the um the birthday box that uh nate and his I guess it's not Nate and his niece. It's just Nate makes that one for, uh, or, sorry, the birthday box. The the would you go out on a date with me box and the birthday box that Nate makes with his niece. Um, the strings that bind us, I think, is fitting. It's it's a little bit less um, pleasing to the ear. It's kind of a, it's a little clunkier as a title, but they both work. Just for some reason, they decided to to change it at the last minute. Yeah. And um, boxes has well, we you know we've seen the the yellow brick road uh, bricks come in boxes every morning to uh, to Rebecca on behalf of Ted. True, and true. we've seen all Nate's craft boxes, and we've seen uh, you know uh, Sam carries a box in this episode. Uh, I'm trying to think of all the other box related things. What else? What else, boss? Oh no, I have nothing. I'm just glad that they did change the title because if I had to hear Castleton hmm. say boxes each time. Every time I think you're saying boss and every time I'm like, I'm ready, I'm ready to spring into action. What do you, what do it you is my, to do? That is my Boston <laughs> accent. Yeah. That is a, Hey boss. Hey, hey boss. Hey boss. Why don't you put yourself in a box there, boss? <laughs> Holy fucking shit. Yay. All right. So anyway, uh, this episode is written by, uh, Phoebe Walsh, the great Phoebe Walsh, who has the brilliant Phoebe Walsh, right? I mean, just blown yeah. us away. Over and over, boss uh, is going to not but box boss (laughs) is going to have a a field day uh, at some point talking about why Phoebe Walsh was the perfect person to write this episode and and certain moments uh, that we're going to come up to. Um, Directed again, third third episode in a row, directed by Matt Lipsy. Uh, Phenomenally, you won't believe this. I didn't believe it. Uh, This episode dropped on the twenty fifth which was the birthday of Johann Cruyff, which I'm like, shut up. How? How? (laughs) I can't even tell you how difficult. That's that's preposterous. A red string binds Johann Cruyff's little finger to Jason Sudeikis's. I mean, that's how they're connected. Sudeikis, you can go back online. You can find... Uh, interviews where Sudeikis talks about intentionality and how Mm. every little part of this is thought of and i will tell you this when you're writing a television show it is impossible it is impossible just the episode itself take out anything that they do on this show just to get an episode to be shot and get all your department heads and get everybody in line and get all your everything uh all the scripts uh you know pages worked out and all the writers in your writing room agreeing on on plots and concepts and you, you can't believe the difficulty of just getting a basic episode out. And then you start to add in all of the intentionality, all of the clothing, the wardrobe choices, all of the blocking choices, all of the little Easter eggs. I don't, I've never seen anything with this many Easter eggs in the history of, of television. It's um, it, 
I have no experience working on television, but it feels like the the degree of difficulty of like getting a small child dressed and walk cleaned and dressed and ready for a formal event and in the car and to that event on time. But you have to do it with like 600 children and you have to do them all at the same time. And then I, I just, I, yeah, I, yeah, I don't and, know. It's, it's a marvel of coordination. And with the biggest spotlight in the world on you because yeah. you're the two time reigning comedy Emmy champion. And you're also as a toe, as the biggest flex in the universe, you just go, yeah, you know what? Let's just also drop this on on Johan Cruyff's birthday when we drop, do the total football. That is that is, I've never seen anything like that. That is, I've I can't even stress. It is stunning when I try to figure out and look and you know you work backwards and you go, okay, what must they have done to prepare for this? Especially knowing that this was the total football episode, you just say like, I I don't I don't even I can't even scarcely believe it was doable. Um, Amazing. I don't want to assume that that it's all in, in I know that a, a huge amount of it is intentional specifically within the the story but I I've I've read interviews with with like right not TV writers but like novelists and, and and heard the novelists speak and they've talked about how you know kind of once you get once you're in a really kind of hyper receptive state I think it was um Ralph Ellison called hyper receptivity when he was writing Invisible Man you think you just start incorporating things without quite knowing why or how and and the it just kind of lines up like the universe lines things up for you and people come up to them after when the book's been published and say oh and that thing and you know in chapter 7 where she goes to the pet store did that that was a reference to this thing that happened or like on the first page right and you stand there and go yeah so no that was that was exactly what i had in mind but you're thinking like I have yeah. no fucking like that. Good just catch. Oh, Good that's catch. that's an awesome catch. I didn't mean yeah. that at all. So it like maybe this is too much of a coincidence that this particular episode aired on his birthday. Maybe not, but it seems like the kind of thing that maybe the universe just sort of when you're already firing on all cylinders, the universe adds a few more for you. I don't know. Yeah, no, it certainly seems like that. Um, maybe it's like juggling six hundred children while keeping them dressed in formal attire so they can go to a formal event. Maybe it's not getting them ready, but keeping them all in the air at the same time. Anyway, yeah, no, no, it's like a herding cats metaphor. I mean, there's definitely there's definitely some some level, a degree of difficulty that the writers, the showrunners, the the producers, the the cast, the crew seem to consistently um, be able to manage to get over, and and we just say, my God, it is so impressive. And again, this is why we do this podcast because we noticed it up front and. We want to pay homage to it because it is um, it's tremendous. Uh, so we open over black and rolling some credits. We have the beautiful Dolores O'Riordan uh, of the Cranberries. Rest in peace. She um, God, what a great song. It's like an iconic song. Dreams. And, and the then Cranberries, uh, Cranberries second best song, though. It's not your favorite song. It's a no. That's my favorite song. It's not their best song. What, what's their best no. song? <clears throat> well, my favorite song. I think their best song is "When You're Gone." Oh, which is I was waiting. For, I was waiting for "Linger," but okay. Absolutely not. <laughs> Don't bring me that "Linger" bullshit. It's "When You're Gone." Of course, gone. I forgot who I was, forgot who I was talking to. Right? Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was going to say, can can either of you name more than three Cranberry songs? Because I can name exactly three. I don't know any other than the big hit singles. 
Um, I just, I, that's nothing against the cranberries. I just never checked them out more than linger dreams and zombie. That's it. I, it, oh no, no, no. I went through a slight cranberries phase. So I yeah. was thinking, yeah, zombie so you, linger dreams when you're gone. Right. Salvation, I think is what it's called. Uh, let's see. Sunday. That sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah. She is shouting salvation, but I don't know if that's the actual name of it. Yeah. Oh no, that I do remember that song now. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. I know four cranberry songs. I mean, there once you, you mentioned a song I had never heard of, it's like, okay, well, <laughs> Emily has this trivia beat, but um but <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. That's good. It's a good role to play in life. It's true. Um, I, bet, it makes I, you... I, I bet I could sing all the words to everything on <laughs> on um uh you know everybody else is doing it, so why can't we? Like whether mm-hmm, I knew the title mm-hmm, or not, mm-hmm. if you started to roll through that album, I could okay. say I could just sing along, but I might not know the names. That, fair, um, fair. That's yeah. I, I I would be able to sing along probably um, with some vague memories about red solo cups in basements when I was seventeen at uh, illicit parties. But yes, mm. I would be able to sing along. Yeah, sounds about right. Um, so, uh, boss, walk us through this opening sequence. What are we seeing visually? We have. Uh, the music come up and, and it's all of the what, what's happening on the screen. So the show notes, I should say, was what if Nora Ephron did a sports movie is apparently yeah. how Castleton felt about this. Basically, no, no, no uh, this is this is sorry, sorry. Yeah, that's that is like when Sudeikis was interviewed before this was ever anything. He's a huge Nora Ephron uh, fan. And he and he said, like, what if Nora Ephron did a sports movie? So. This is his trick. I only put those notes. You know wh- what's generally happening here is the opening of the. This is the the opening of stores montage. Yeah, this which, is which, the city is coming mirrors. alive. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and that's a little little callback to you've got mail. Uh, in, in that in that movie, it was um, the Upper West Side of of New York. Um, here we have Richmond, uh, and yeah, so. You know, there, there's a number of we've we've mentioned before on this podcast about uh, you know Sudeikis's uh, love of rom com and Brendan Hunts and how much they love rom coms and we've had the whole rom com episode, uh, rom communism, and um, you know I forget whether we mentioned that uh, you know the the even the usernames on banter were. A little tribute to uh did we talk about that boss do you remember i think we did We did but- yes because i was unaware because i apparently am the uh show's resident don't watch rom-coms person <laughs> i didn't before ted lasso i tried them they're not for me they're that what i what exact what it's how does uh ted put it when he's explaining hallmark christmas specials they're dumb but they're they're kind of great like yeah that's that's how i feel about them now um yeah but but yeah the um we haven't seen those usernames i think since we haven't seen banter at all this season except when shandy holds up the uh the phone in triumph to show the horrible business decision that she made but yeah the um i think it's a good thing for the show that we haven't seen banter because they don't even (laughs) care about letting helping their customer base bang celebrities so it's like why bother you know? That's you know what that's if there is a level of honesty to to Shandy's decision that I think I I, I can respect even though um, it was a bad decision yeah if, if you're not going to help uh, hot people hook up with other hot people or famous people 
then you know, get out of the business. Yeah, Starfucker actually cares. Um, although, although <laughs> I, I, can, I think that's their motto, right? I, somehow, I can sort of feel like thirty-nine to forty-four percent of our audience groaning, like, "Please stop talking about Shandy. Can we move on?" <laughs> um, so, anyway, we uh, we open on Roy yelling "mush," and he is what? What's happening uh, in in this scene, boss? Oh, it's additional training. And now that Roy knows how to ride a bike, he's going to put that to excellent use by making Jamie Tart drag him around the city while he sits on the bike. Uh, clearly balancing. Obviously, if you can do balance. Mm-hmm. Very at ease, but definitely not pedaling. Feet not anywhere near the bike. Put your feet on the pedals. Feet on the pedals. Um, did you, did you, what was your, either one of you, uh, we start with, with coach, um, did you have any sense about why um, Jamie was all in pink, like head to toe pink? Beyond the show's uh, general um, approach to uh, to battling toxic masculinity with you know kindness and just in your face opposites, um, I, I I I wondered about that because we've seen Isaac as well in um, in head to toe pink uh, like. I can't remember if it's a tracksuit or a sweatsuit. I think it was the sweatsuit, but like post-training uh, change into into clothes and his outfit was all pink. Um, I think for me, it's mostly just to kind of destigmatize pink. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't. Did you did you read anything? It, it says official on the front of his uh, on the front yeah. of his his hoodie, but I I assumed you know Jamie makes. Jamie makes fashion choices that I wouldn't because I couldn't pull any of that stuff off and Jamie can pull it off. I think it, it on him. It sort of, I don't question it. I, I, I see the head to toe pink coach, and I just go, yeah. Coach, you don't like zips and graffiti. <laughs> I, I like them on other people. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, we, we were, we were watching the NFL draft last night for a little while. And some of those fashion choices too, it was like, well, I could not pull that off, but this kid is definitely pulling it off. Yeah. So, same kind some, of thing. Some bold moves. Yeah, there were. Moves. There really yeah, were. That's good. Um, yeah. Uh, are you are you a Falcons fan by any chance? Not at all. Are you a Bears fan? Marginally. Okay. So, yeah. yeah Bears, I don't okay. care about the NFL yes. much. I, uh, I, I like rooting for the Bears because it's like what rooting for the Cubs used to be. It's like there's a there's a base level of despair that sort of grounds you as a person. Exactly. No, this is exactly yeah. right. I'm so thrilled that I have a Chicago sports fan on the cast yeah. because people are like, oh, the Cubs, they're lovable losers. And I'm like, that sucks. Both no. of those things suck so hard. You're missing the point. You're missing. Not- yeah. Why would you want yeah. a lovable loser? What's no. What's a uh, scrappy little that? little youngster that's never going to win anything yeah. like that's I think it'll be disappointing if Richmond doesn't win at all. For the same reason, like I don't want Richmond to be lovable losers. I want them to. You you win the World Series in 1908, so that you won it, yeah, and then you can come back to it later. If you never win it, if you never you know top the Premier League, that's eh, much worse. I'd, yeah. I'd rather go a hundred plus years um, without winning it, but have that in my history. Absolutely, this is this is unfortunate um, because I forgot that that coach has a baseline connectivity with uh some of the darker uh sides of of, uh being raised in chicago's winters Mm -hmm. is what it is that's right yeah yeah i know but i need you to protect me from boss and um, see the thing is 
Um, <laughs> what our audience is used to, you're, you are our first uh, fill-in, and we are so uh, grateful for it because you are wonderful. <laughs> um, but Coach is usually in – he's in Los Angeles. Uh, boss is in he's Chicago. He's a sunny, sunny guy. I mean, oh, he's, he is. he's he a is font. Yeah. Um, but you are where I forgot to, uh, I should have told you to just give a quick rundown about yourself. So the audience knows, uh, <laughs> who, who, the, who is whispering in their, uh, sweet nothings in their ear. Um, so this will be very short. Um, so I, uh, you, you mean it's like establish my Ted Lasso bona fides or no, no, no. I mean like just, just location wise, they have, they usually have LA, Chicago and Boston. And I asked you if you're a Falcons fan, which suggests, uh, I was Atlanta, say, yeah. and then, you, and then I went to, uh, the bears, which suggests Chicago. So just give people a quick rundown. Of so as you may have inferred, uh, I, I, I live in the city of Atlanta, uh, and you can tell that because I'm not a Falcons fan. Um, and I grew up. Uh, near, <laughs> very near the city of Chicago. Um, I grew up <clears throat> in uh, Chicago land, and um, yeah, so that's why I, I, uh, that's why I carry a lot of um, existential dread and uh, metaphysical worry and general self uncertainty. Um, and I also uh, do Ted Lasso recaps for the antagonist. So if you if you don't go to the antagonist, uh, you should. I'm used to plugging it relentlessly because I am on the antagonist's other podcast, which is called the Antagonist Podcast, and uh, and uh, we don't have the wonderful huge audience that the Ted Lasso Deep Dive Podcast does. So we're always promoting ourselves. So if you haven't been to antagonistblog.com, please check it out. Great, great site. Wonderful, wonderful coverage. Sporadic Ted Lasso coverage, because whoever they've got writing recaps doesn't know how to just get to the point. Um, their succession recaps are much more succinct. So there you go. <laughs> well, listen, the Ted Lasso <laughs> recaps have, have gone from a 30-minute uh, episode job to over an hour so it, it is uh and there's so it, this is one of the things we talk about on the show every episode is more and more dense because it's cumulative you're building on every yeah. previous episode and if you want to do it justice you feel like you're stacking bricks over and over and over again yeah. and it's very easy uh this is just a, a phenomenon of this show it's easy to forget there's so many bricks and they've done such a great job building over the years that you, people will sometimes forget the original bricks or the, the root causes or the, or, or some of the connectivity. So we try to, we, uh, you know, fill in some of the blanks whenever we can. Uh, thank you for that coach. Uh, I, I was asking, uh, also boss, did you have any insight into the, into Jamie's, um, outfit? He's a summer, so he gets away with it. Mm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's sure. Yeah. I, can, I, I, I also, I'm making up all of that. I have no idea what season he is supposed to be or what coloring goes with it. But I would say he's a summer. Yeah. I don't know beyond what I know about the actual. I don't know what that con, you know connotes beyond it. But what what have you heard women saying? Oh no no no! Just that you're supposed to figure out what your physical palette is. So how your the undertones, your hair color, your eye color, whatever else, and then you have a palette. You correspond with a season. And then you wear the colors yeah. of that season, and it's supposed to look good on you. So I'm going to guess would be more spring then. But maybe think, it's a maybe. bold pink, in which case you'd be able. That's to true. Follow. Who knows? This feels I, astrologically I wondered, adjacent. I wondered if it had uh, anything to do with the Barbie 
film that's I was like, is, is it a Barbie thing? Is it a Barbie reference? Is it a uh is it is there any adjacent uh, connectivity to Keely who seems to generally own the color pink as a uh, she's like she's sort of a goddess of pink. Uh and I wondered, oh, is that somehow Reconnecting to Keely. For me, what it was was I don't think anyone else on the podcast ever played Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Um, oh yeah, you, you can go. Oh, you did, John. You ever play that? Nice. Oh, okay, yeah. good. All oh. right. Um, and there's like a training montage with a, with a dude on a bike and a guy in full pink gear. I put a little. Uh, I had forgotten about this until you. Yeah, you put a little. You put a. Is it a clip or a, like a, a still? You can click on the link there, and it'll take you okay. to a YouTube thing. I can put it in, in the show, in the uh, show notes of the. The description as well yeah in between um, it, fights you're you're running behind your trainer who's uh who's on a bike and you're trying to keep up with him right and in this yeah. case roy says fuck that <laughs> <Pull me." laughs> um so uh yeah all roy says is mush we see then uh a, a gentleman we i don't think we've seen before opening the awning uh, outside of taste of athens um nate walks up and uh boss walk us through this yeah, so he walks up, uh, he peeks in the window and waves at Jade, and Jade does a thing where she's like, oh, d- Hold Derek? on a sec, hold on, hold on, hold on. I love, it's so funny. Uh, I said, hey, boss, walk us through this, and this was your tone. You're like, ah, all right, yes, so no. the fucking guy, whatever. So the fucking guy, Nate. so the fucking guy goes and does the fucking, I'm I, and sure. I really understand that. This is one of my least. I was ready. I uh, more than anyone else on the podcast. I think at least, you may have been with me on this, actually, boss. But I remember I was saying like, there is no road back in my mind for a guy that says you cover a blood stain to Colin, who's only been kind and actually approached him to be the bigger person in that scene in season two. Colin's like, hey, did I have I pissed you off? I noticed like, you know, you were ribbing everybody else, but then when I said it, you're. And and what Nate said to him was, I thought, unforgivable and, yeah. and a real insight into the depravity and uh, maliciousness of his in, internal persona. Um, and I was like, fuck him. G- goodbye. Goodbye. But because the writers are phenomenal, they have made Nate Nate again. They've, he's gone from Nathan to being Nate. And yeah, I love that you're shaking your head. Yes, boss, <laughs> fight the power. I love it. I'm already disagreeing. I think so. I think that that is a very standard interpretation, and I don't think that it is wrong. I just think that it is slightly off from what I understand it to be. It in that I don't think Nate ever was a good guy, and then he got bad, and now he needs to get back to being good. I think he's been an asshole from the very beginning. That we didn't read it as that because he was timid and quiet and seemed sweet. And now that he has more people that he can bully, he's bullying everybody. We see a little bit more humanity with this woman who he doesn't want to bully and is not able to. And so we think, oh, he's back because here's this nice guy being timid again. It's not. It's always been if he can be a dick, he will be a dick. And if he can't be a dick, then he's not going to. But that doesn't mean that he ever was a nice guy because he refrained from being a dick. It's because he didn't feel powerful enough to do it. Yeah, I know. This is what you keep saying. and. I really like John is John is not like he's got a, he's positive appraisal. First of all, Coach uh, is a is a wonderful person, so he's always going to default to kindness <laughs> and gentleness. That's, that's not true. Intellectual true. generosity. Yeah, no, no, it is true. Um, and um, but uh, what would have been really helpful is if your um, article on assholes had ever 
actually no. occurred so that people who were sort of a, see that doesn't of the opinion your read of Nate <laughs> I think you just always think he's like an incel douche who is a terrible person and he's always been a terrible person and then he got power and just just the same thing we say M- money doesn't do anything but amplify what you already are and power you know so it's like this is what happened and we're seeing this so would you concede that uh, let's say let's let's say your operating philosophy is correct, and the thesis that he's always been an asshole is true. Is there is there a sense in the same way as we see? <laughs> we're going to see a, a, a scene, and we'll talk about it. Probably not on this episode. I'm guessing it'll be later, where Roy is lamenting the power of Ted's influence on him. Is there is there some? scenario happening here in your mind where Nate is actually experiencing some Ted Lasso engineered metamorphosis and he is becoming better than he had been. I have a theory about this. Yeah. I want to hear what Emily has to say first. Sorry. What boss has to say first. I have many (laughs) siblings. I respond to anything at this point. When I was a child, my uh, father would number us units. And so I still respond Mm. to unit two. If you said unit two, I would say what? I swear to God. Anyway. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to tuck that away. I'm going to use it in a few months. (laughs) Honestly. Where's my pen? I'm going to make a note of that. Seriously. Um, I believe that... Uh, yes, through Ted Lasso, anything is possible. And I, that doesn't feel blasphemous at all for me to say out loud. I think that the issue is, have they shown him actually doing anything to improve? And like, I think Jamie, they have shown Jamie doing the work in a bunch of ways it, it, where he is, you know, being more open. He is trying to understand people. He wants to figure out the shit with his dad so that he isn't an asshole. But he's been doing that over three solid seasons. So now when he's able to tell Roy, like my dad took me to Amsterdam and it was a fucked up situation, that feels really genuine. It feels like he's becoming that kind of person. I don't think that we've seen Nate do in the entirety of the show one genuinely kind thing. I don't mean nice. He, he, makes, I, the, he makes the birthday he makes boxes the, with his he niece. Makes the he helps his niece out. That's a sweet thing. It's sweet. He, gets, he gets kind? nothing from that. Yeah. Well, it, so I he mean, doesn't, this is going to be a, like, it, like this idea of what he gets out of it. Like it, that's going to be a whole other topic for me. So maybe I should hang on to it until a little bit later. Okay. But um, I feel like being kind to a family relative, it, it, like that doesn't feel like a, a genuinely kind thing to me. That does not feel like Rebecca following Ted out of the club because she knows that he's having a panic attack. This is not uh, Sassy showing up at the hotel that night to take care of Rebecca because she doesn't want Rebecca to be alone after her divorce. It isn't even Beard being like, yeah, I'll move to England with you for a year to coach soccer because you're going through a divorce. Like, it, 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 This is Roy helping out Phoebe, which is sweet and kind. It, it, mm, now I'm doing it to myself. But it doesn't feel <laughs> like it, it is. It, he's nice to his niece. This is this is the entirety of Nate's is it decent guy on the inside because he's nice to his niece i think so because his niece who by the way we meet her finally in this episode we've heard of her many times and we finally got to meet her and it was it was i didn't want her to have like a whole big set piece or anything but it was it was it was just a nice little scene um she mentions how uh you know how he helped i forget the exact detail but she mentions how he helped with 
the the tricky bits or something like that. And and she says something else about him. And the the I don't know from based on what you're saying, my understanding of that is like, you know, I my my love for my son never goes away. Mm-hmm. But there are times when he needs help with something, and I'm doing six other things. And so my help is just like, yes, okay, fine, here, just okay, now go away. I've helped you, like, be gone. <clears throat> you could, you can do that. You could, be, like, you know, be, be on gone. your phone. Be you gone. Can, the, yeah, the, just, like the, you're. The, I'm in here. Go in the other room. I don't yeah. need. To, you're you're causing difficulty for me. It, <laughs> oh, it, from her description, I, uh, that's, I'm not saying that. I'm saying like that's what the the. You don't say those words to your child, but you convey them with your tone. Hopefully, the the. The way that the niece describes his help, it sounds like he's happy to be helping her. It sounds like he did like, and we know he's done this with her many times. We get the first box in season one. What is it? Episode two. two. It's biscuits, right? It's episode two. Um, So I, I I feel like there are levels of of help and enthusiasm. I don't think you could be enthusiastic about um you know making a making a birthday box with your niece unless you also really like spending time with her it's like you could be cursory about it or you can get invested in it and it sounds like it's something that he enjoys doing with her well we're going to we're going to explore this a little bit more as we go on and i think boss you're getting you're getting turned in you're twisting yourself in knots because you're trying to make a point about something that hasn't happened yet and therefore you can't write so i don't want you to have to do that so let's let's move on um and we will pick that up as we go um now we move from okay. So wait, Taste of Athens, and we didn't really even talk about this. So let's just blast it out. Nate peeks in the window and waves to Jade. He sees Jade. He kind of gets caught peeking. Two hands framing his eyes. You know, like a full peek, not a half peek. One hand over the top. A full binoculars face against the window and busted. like you're looking in an abandoned house. Yeah, like you don't right. expect anybody to be there. <laughs> Right. And he is, he is, um, th- this is, by the way, I make fun of, uh, Jade a lot because she has always been, um, a bit of a cipher to me, um, mm. and, and moderately rude and uninteresting, um, r- or rude or uninteresting oh, <laughs> or both. I can't tell. Uh, sometimes I, like when she was like, all right, I'll walk you to the back when Anastasia came in, I'm like, okay, what the, f- what's that about Jade? So, when she sees him now, this is post baklava sharing, which they pronounce what boss? How do they pronounce that? Baklava. Yeah, baklava. Yeah. It's uh, it's closer to balaklava for some weird, bizarro reason. Um, but yeah, baklava. And um, now, so they've they've had a chat. They've they've spoken. So now, when he puts his face to the window and sees her, it's not um, he's not Jason Jelly anymore necessarily. So. <laughs> Uh, Jade does the thing that the first thing that for me as a viewer of all of these episodes, the first thing I actually enjoyed from her and, and what was it, uh, uh, coach, what did she do when she saw Nate, uh, look at her? She, uh, she point like she, she does the old, what that him? Like she points behind. Yes. Yes. Which is kind of like, all right, that's cute. But Jade, you've, you've projected an air of like real, world wariness you you know how people work you're 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 a cute hostess you get hit on all the time you're you have a really good armor for this you know he's pointing at you 
I, th- I totally. I, I know she did know this, but I thought she was playing. She was being playful for the first time. So, yeah, oh, like me or okay. me or the or the random <laughs> bar, you know, bar boy that's cleaning up the. I was like, oh, that's is that a joke from Jay? Like she actually kind of g- giving him a little shit. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so if her if what they've been trying to establish is she has a, is the driest sense of humor in the whole world. And like so, her walking him back to the back is her thought. That's in her mind. That is a joke. That is that is her ribbing him. That really reframes a lot of this stuff for me. Now, I'm not saying that's what it is, but it's the way I chose to process it, <laughs> knowing that I've had a hard time with the Jade character, and in having a hard time with the Jade character, I unfortunately shackle the writing staff with mm. their inability to explain it properly so that I did understand the Jade. So now I'm trying to <laughs> retcon my understanding of the Jade character to credit the writing staff whom I adore. Um, I just thought it was cute. And then, okay, now I want to have a little conversation really quickly. Nick Mohammed is the actor who plays Nate. He is, in my estimation, excellent. Is there any dissenting opinion on the on the on the staff here? No, Coach? not in not in this room. Okay. As, as much as I talk shit about Nate, uh, Nick Muhammad is incredible. I think um, the two things in season one that really like shocked me were how well he does surprises when Ted opens the door and uh, make Rebecca. Oh yes, I think make Rebecca great again when he's trying to slip it underneath the door. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the surprise is genuine, and then there's a similar thing in episode ten when he finds out he's being promoted, and he's surprised but happy. Like the (laughs) distinction between the difficulty in doing surprised and the difficulty in being surprised happy and surprised bad, he like does flawlessly. So Nick Muhammad as an actor, incredible character, sucks. Incredible physicality is phenomenal. If you watch, you could just we could do a physicality watch of nick muhammad and to watch his body the entire time you you just can't believe what you're seeing um not to mention in the same way that jeremy swift gets a number of like really really difficult like lines where you first you get your sides um sorry uh you get your sides are when as as an actor you get this little sort of smaller booklet of your script and they it's in this little packet sort of um and so, you know, the, like a PA will drop off your, your, your sides and then you'll go through it and you'll read them. Or typically with something like this, that's like on the day of, that's when you're there. If there's, if there's revisions to your character or to your language or anything like that, you'll get those day of on set. Um, but you'll get them now, you know, before that, you'll get them electronically. And some of the lines that Higgins has to pull off, like they're just murder. And if, if for a lesser actor and a lesser physical comedian, you know, it's just it's just brutal. And and Nick Muhammad has also pulled off similarly difficult lines. They're hard to land. They require a certain amount of like facial stuff and physicality. And so um, I'm calling all this out because I noticed that in this episode, the um, luminance and size of Nate's smile is something we have not seen before. He must have been holding back for two seasons. Even when he was happy, we never got the type of smile we're getting with Nate in this episode. And I and I'm going to go back and just double check. I'm going to go up to my um my my <laughs> screen with a ruler and measure his smile. But 
I mean, I have never, he is so iridescent and, uh, he, he is, he is beaming and he's beaming as he's approaching the restaurant. Did you notice that he was smiling before he arrived? He's no longer intimidated by the very presence of it. He does still in this episode, get the, um, um, get the door wrong. He, he, uh, pushes to yes. go in when he's supposed to pull, but yes. only once instead of every single time. But, um, but also yeah, he, it, it doesn't, it doesn't affect him. Like, like it's, no, it's almost he, that thing where it's yeah. like, Oh, I can, it's all right. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. He's I'm, no longer motivated by anxiety and, and frustration and like, you know, anger at himself. He's motivated by, uh, you know, interest and, and I don't want to say love, but you know, um, something positive. He, he, he sees Jade and he, he, he that the restaurant doesn't mean to him what it used to because can you wait can you be, like I'm a not a person space. who has a tremendous amount of anxiety but can you be motivated by anxiety or is it more limiting limiting than motivating oh that no a, you can be motivated you, by oh you can you yeah. mean motivated yeah. by anxiety okay okay so motivated to to take action like you're you're suggesting mm-hmm. that when he went in to see Jade he was motivated by anxiety I thought it was a limiting no no I'm factor. saying I'm saying he used to, I'm saying all the other times that he's gone into the yeah. restaurant since since last season and he bungles the door and pushes when he's supposed to pull and pulls when he's supposed to push and and, and you know then there's the physicality of it um, those are anxious moments those are you know he's he's too flustered to think straight he's 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 overthinking every single motion instead of just existing and at the beginning of this episode pretty much every scene in in taste of athens in this episode um you know i I think when he does mess up the when he does um now i've I've said it too many times i can't remember when he leaves and he gets the door wrong i can't remember if he's supposed to push and he pulls or he's supposed to pull and he pushes but whichever it is it almost seems like he's flustered because things are going well like not because he was just humiliated, but because yeah, because I think it's when he's gone in the bathroom and not yeah. spit in the mirror, and then he realizes, oh, I'm gonna go make a box. He's oh, thinking he's caught up in that, and that's what makes him make a mistake, not any self-loathing or anything. So that was a nice change. That was a nice little touch. Yeah, and we will get to that uh, when we hit. When yeah, we hit that, that not part. not to jump ahead, just um, um, um yeah. I, I, will I say think th- the only go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I will say that when when Nate um waves to jade and she waves back and wiggles a finger i'm like oh she likes you that's it you know like yeah. it wasn't like a robotic thing she was like this little this how little can you flare. tell when a girl like you yeah there it is I, that's, I mean listen that's I, good. I, I might be putting too much stock in that but when i saw it i was like oh okay she actually likes him like that was a, a playful thing yeah yeah that wasn't like a you know the duchess of york that was that was uh <laughs> right am i are you with me on this boss did you, do you know what i'm talking about Little index I, I finger, sort of, not index yeah. finger, the uh, ring finger, sort of. I don't know. She's, a little flowy. Yeah, she kind of splays it out a little bit instead of yeah. doing the cupped hand. I was literally trying but to remember. But it's this. She does this. Like the finger, the fingers were separate from each other. They Did were you separate. Did you notice that or no? She, I'm like watching it as we're doing this. She doesn't do it, it, It's a, a wiggle of the middle finger. It doesn't come forward, it goes side to side, just to <laughs> right. be very clear. Also, yeah. I'm now trying to remember. Who the Duchess of York is. It might be a Fergie or uh, one of the daughters. I, I'm I know too much about the royal family. It sucks. Yeah, I know almost nothing. I don't know anything about the royal. Yeah, that's yeah. That's a we, that is we balance you, the boat. 
I was going to say, if you want to, if you're interested in that, that's the other antagonist podcast. Um, cause, mm-hmm. uh, managing, managing editor, Laura J. Burns is a, an aficionado. Um, so we, uh, we now cut away from the scene. Nate, Nate strolls away. Happy as a clam. Um, I don't know why that that's a term happy as a clam, but that is a, term. How, how do we determine clam happiness? Yeah. I don't know. Do, I don't do even we know have a scale for that. that. We'll have to, we'll have to look into that. Um, but we cut to Keely and Jack. Ah, uh, Jack. Sitting outside. Okay. Now, okay, here's the, I just want to, again, I want to point out that we're, we are going through a litany of, um, I, I feel like the, the, the lesser than subplots of this podcast. I'm like, eh, I do. I, I have not been invested in the Nate subplot, but okay, I'll, I'm fine with it. Um, I really have a, I, I'm, I just do not like the Jack dynamic at all. And I, I don't, you know, not buying it. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, not, I think you're, my... it seems like you're in the minority with that. Is that right? Oh God. Uh, that based yeah. on, you know, I, I, this is based on what I've seen on, you know, online. So take that for whatever it's worth. But, um, but yeah, I think, um, the, the overall response to, Jody Balfour's casting and to this character until this episode, which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about uh, many facets. Jo- Jody Balfour is great. Um, yeah. Um, it's, it's, she's, I, I, I find Jack quite, uh, quite charming in a very casual way. Let's say like if, if Rupert is the super suave, charming billionaire figure, who's actually Satan, then she's, um, you know, much more, relaxed and comfortable with her uh, with her power and her her money and her influence she doesn't yeah. come off like your typical you know smarmy rich person i know she's worse i just go okay yeah she's not as overt and in your face and sh- showy as rupert and she's more dangerous because of it um but anyway oh uh, says, no no you're the, that's 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 overselling it rupert does not pass tampons under the stall and then say pay it forward Mm, no, but he might say some bullshit to his buddy while handing him a cigar and saying something about like, uh, it, take care of whoever else. Like, I, I think that there is a difference between our perception of Rupert because we only know him as Rebecca's ex-husband and he was a dick in that way and how his rich buddies might feel about him. Well, like, of course his rich buddies feel good about him. There's, there's rich buddies. I mean... Yeah, well, we're going to try to we're going to try to remain uh, curious here, Coach, and we're not going to be judgmental <laughs> about it. I I, I I'm going to say I I don't like being judgmental about uh, most things on this show, but Rupert, I do. Yeah, Rupert uh, Anthony Head, what a what a performance! Phenomenal actor. Just, I mean, it's the same as yeah. with with Nick uh, Muhammad last season. Like incredible performance, such that people were like shouting at him on Twitter, as much as you can shout at anybody on Twitter, people were getting really mad at him and saying, you know, how could you do these horrible things to, to Colin and to Will and to Ted and, and Nick and Brett and a few other cast members had to say, please remember that Nate is a character and Nick is playing that character. He's not the character. And Nick said, so, he was very generous. He said something like, you know, I, I really appreciate that you guys feel so passionately about the show. I love being involved with it because it, it, you know, I, I, get passionate the same way but please be kind i'm i'm not nate the great i'm 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 nick muhammad and anthony head same thing anthony head nobody play nobody i could imagine anybody else playing rupert i I couldn't imagine anybody else getting that perfect balance of like charm and like 
suaveness and attractiveness and ease uh, just right. But man, he's just so easy to hate. Not Buddy. Anthony Head, Rupert. I didn't. I didn't uh, use an antecedent there. Sorry, buddy. You got to get off Twitter. <laughs> what, what are you talking? That's that. That's, that's I'm talking about my impressions of the acting, and then one no, thing no, that happened no, on Twitter. No, coach, but coach, I wasn't. Coach, yeah. boss, you want to explain? Thor's a dick sometimes. No, oh, that's true. That's, you know, that's not, not the that's explanation, not boss. No, oh my not. god. <laughs> No, no, coach, coach. That that's what Beard says to Higgins when he reads that oh, your mom. Yeah, eats, it's, it's my favorite. It it's is. my that's favorite right. joke. It this is my favorite joke on the, eats on more the show. More ass than your mom. <laughs> See, I, this yeah. is this this is unfortunately why I had to call my mom the c word at brunch on Mother's Day one time because when a joke presents itself, even when it's mean. And even though I don't believe that yeah. you're a dick at all, I gotta take it. I can't not true. say the mean thing. So no, that's not true at all. Also, you gotta get off Twitter because somebody's mom eats a lot of ass. A lot of ass. That's all it is. Yeah, you're supposed to say, "This is a text from my father." Was it? Did he say it from my dad? What did he say? My father. Yeah, right? this is a text from my dad. Yeah, my dad. I, I just, I will never, I will never <laughs> not, is the most ruthless joke. <laughs> I, I, I still love it. All right. Anyway, let's try to center ourselves for the beautiful viewing audience who has come for uh, wonderful stories about Keely and Jack. Let's talk about um, Keely and Jack. Now, there, there is a, uh, Keely says that's a strong, co- that's a, that's a cup of coffee. It's strong. Good though. Good though. She's so cute. Uh, just really, she's so bubbly. Glinda the Good Witch, oh, yeah. always upbeat. Um, I I didn't know that there's a whole. Sometimes I look at her. This is this is yeah. God, I don't know that, <laughs> boss. I don't know that you're the right person to throw this to. But as the uh, as the as the resident um, woman on the show, I'm like, is she extra? Is it like is all her stuff crazy extra? And I was asking a friend, and they're like, "No, no, this is like a sec. And it, maybe in America, it might be extra to be that that type. All those ornate hairstyles, all those like constantly done up, really, really intricate um, outfits, and 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 sort of all the accessorizing. And uh, and they're like, "No, no, but this is like a thing. In, it's a type in the UK. It's a, it's a there is yeah. a sec- sector of society." That does this. It just seems exhausting to me. And I love Keely, but I'm like, God damn, how, how, you know, like this it reminds me of all those old uh, tropes about, you know, oh, women have to get ready for a party. And it's like, okay, you know, two hours, they have to start planning. And meanwhile, their idiot, you know, boyfriend or husband like rolls out of bed, throws on a shirt, and he's ready in eight seconds. And you're like, this is not fair. Um, I just look at Keely and I get exhausted by the amount of work she has to do just to get to be as attractive and lovely and, and, and put together as she is. Um, but anyway, that's a, I guess it's a side note. I just, I just sometimes go, I know that there are podcasts and I know that there are websites and things that delve into the specifics of what everybody wears. And we touch upon it. We don't always go as deeply as, as we probably could. We try to, we try to sort of, you know, mention it in passing and, and see if there's any connectivity. Um, anyway, uh, Keely's here with Jack. Jack has Jack's. I don't even understand Jack's outfit, but again, I might not be the. It's not like if, if Coach Bishop were here, he would have an insight into that. I don't know what she's yeah. wearing. I don't get it. Since uh, as the resident woman on the show, I will say that I'm right now wearing uh, my beard t shirt and also a pair of pajama pants and my slippers. 
and haven't done anything. So I might be the wrong woman to ask because as, no, no. as dolled up oh, as I did. get is I put on mascara sometimes and that's about it. All, all you need is yogurt and the tube and you'd be Babs right now. Perfect. Love that. <laughs> Between right? the yogurt and the balaclava, we're, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're having a, a, a proper British pronunciation feast on this episode. Uh, so, uh, Jack, uh, uh, boss, walk us through this. What does Jack say? Oh, I love that you said that I should walk you through this because I was planning on doing a uh, mid-scene sort of uh, a brief boss's Hollywood minute. So uh, they're talking about the coffee. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Jack says, I got you something. And Keely kind of squeals. Oh, I love some things. Uh, She opens it up. What is this? And it is a first edition of Sense and Sensibility by Jane Austen. She says, I love this book. I love the movie more, though, which is the correct (laughs) response. So here's a few things. Uh, 1995 Sense and Sensibility, directed by Ang Lee, starring Emma Thompson, Kate Winslet, uh, Hugh Grant, and Alan Rickman as the four main characters. Uh, Emma Thompson also... The the great Alan Rickman, yes. Oh my God, the great Alan Rickman. Also, I could talk for an entire podcast uh, just on my own about how much Emma Thompson and Alan Rickman loved each other. I cannot get into it right now. Uh, Emma Thompson also adapted the screenplay uh this was right after her husband kenneth branagh had divorced her for helena bonham carter who he had been having an affair with on the set of their most recent film so emma thompson coming off of a very public embarrassing divorce um nominated for best actress for the film also nominated and wins for best adapted screenplay because she had a previous best actress oscar she is the only person in history who has ever won for writing and acting, e- even up until now. Um, along with the four people that I mentioned already, there was, uh, God damn it, I looked up his name early and now I'm going to forget it. Uh, I want to say Andrew Geist. Uh, I'll look it up and I'll double check that. Andrew Geist played Willoughby in the movie. And is better known, the reason I don't know his name is because now he is better known as Mr. Emma Thompson, because he realized Mm. on set that Kenneth fucked that up and locked that shit down. They have been married since 2003, which is amazing. The reason that I believe Ted Lasso included on this, that the movie is better, is because the movie hinges on the fact that the Dashwood sisters, their half-brother essentially takes all of the inheritance from their father and gives them very little, leaving them with very poor, uh, suitable suitors. For marriage. Very few prospects. Ah. Edged on by his shitty wife, played by Harriet Walker, better known as <laughs> Deborah Welton, better known as Rebecca's mom. So the actress that plays Rebecca's mom had a pivotal role in Sense and Sensibility, and also it's an amazing movie, so they're right across the board. This is a very good Hollywood minute. I'm going to... Hey, hey, Yeah, no. The boss well is done. a real deal. She, she, That's really she, good. Is, she is good. Um, yeah, she's a she is a um, Harriet Harriet Walker, right? Is that what you said? What's her? Yeah, she is Harriet a, Walker. Uh, yeah, yeah, she's no joke. She was in Killing Eve and played an important pivotal role of Dasha, like the spy train assassin trainer. And I mean, she's no joke, man. We 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 know her as Rebecca's mom, Deborah, 
And um, it's just a tiny little role, but behind what we see, there's a you know stunning amount of talent. And of course, um, her deadliest role, even more so than Killing Eve, is as Lady Caroline on Succession, where she ruins lives uh, and destroys people with every single line of dialogue that she has. Yes, where uh, Shiv was no longer a person after she got done with her. <laughs> also, I'm amazed uh, that Tom was enough of a person to to marry Shiv in the first place. What did she say? Tom, you're so present. Oh, God. There are too many lines. Uh, yeah. and, and this is a Ted Lasso podcast, so I can't get into all of that. But also, I would like to <laughs> apologize to Mr. Emma Thompson. His name is uh, Greg Weiss. I don't know where I was getting the other name from, but Greg Weiss. Way to go, buddy. Thank you, boss. Um, I'd also like to just say that as sometimes we talk about how difficult it is to see the light at the end of the tunnel in the, in the, the, the way the world works, uh, we can, you know, it, it can be very hard to look at the trajectory of political things and the rise of, 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 uh, strong men all over the world and, you know, all these different elements where you go, Oh my God, why, how is this happening? But I would like to point out a, a one ray of sunshine, which is, you know, we're just talking about um, how tremendous um, uh, the the actor um, uh, Harriet Harriet Walter is. Oh, we said Walker. It's Harriet Walter, right? Walter. Did you say Walker? It's Harriet Walter. Yeah. Did yeah, I Harriet oh, Walter? Okay. okay. <laughs> and and um, I just want to point out that once upon a time. Um, she was born in, in 1950 and once upon a time, uh, there was this thing where, you know, an actor, uh, a woman who got past what 40 was just not, it was dead. Right. And we can name what four or five roles she's had <laughs> in, yeah. in her seventies or whatever. You just go, Oh my God. Like yeah, her sixties and seventies were, they are tremendous and iconic and uh, and that that is a, a measure of progress right there. So problem solved, right? That's what I was saying. Hollywood's fixed. Cer- certainly not, but but <laughs> we should we should point out uh, the 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 successes when they happen, and yes, um, you know, give, it's motivation for people to keep keep the momentum going. Um, so sense of sensibility. I love this book. Love the movie more. Wait, is this like a first edition or something? Uh, out of curiosity, I, did either of you look up the price of a first edition? Um, Jane, I, I thought it was some something like $22,000 or something like that. Uh, Jack says, yep, yeah, and it's signed. And what does it say? Oh, you're, uh, you're having a really hard time getting to this point because this is this was very difficult for you, I think. This was very, very <laughs> difficult. Every we sign off with me talking about books and the written word. Uh, every episode and um what when keely opens it up coach what does she see in the in the front page there well she does see jane austen's signature uh on the on the, in the lower third of the page and it's in black ink and it's a tight script and i i assume it's jane austen's signature or a, an excellent reproduction of it but just above that in big fat purple marker very neat handwriting Possibly not of the same era. Uh, it says, uh, it says, <laughs> Keely, you go, girl. Um, and so that's that's Jack leaving a little territorial marking there for for Keely. My my jaw dropped, and I was like, oh, 
I'm like, you know, we always talk about coding and we say like, anytime a man cooks on this show, it is, it is coding that he does not uh, subscribe to traditional ideas around gender roles. And he is a provider and nurturer. Um, and it's a way that the show gives us a little tip off. When you destroy a first idea, you are my enemy. I'm just going, okay, yeah, no, no, we have nothing. I mean, nothing in common. If you, like, if, if that were, I would be horrified if I were Keely. Uh, it's nice that she's so lovely. Did you destroy a priceless artifact just to make me laugh? Um, and Jack says, what, boss? No, that was all her. Well, she says that oh. too, but yeah. Oh, no, this is it's because I hated the part so much. So what she first says is uh, Akili says, did you destroy a priceless artifact just to make me laugh? And Jack says, one, it wasn't priceless. It was actually very expensive Two, I can get very jealous. And I hate the idea of you regifting that. And three, no, I didn't. That's all her. She really wants you to go, girl. So I have a few issues with this. The number one is <laughs> Do uh, you? Oh, shockingly. <laughs> number one, it's really weird that she says it was actually very expensive. That's sort of a that feels like a, a a further down the line joke. Like once you've been dating for long enough that you understand that it's a joke. But right now it is a little too much. I spent a lot of money on you and you should be impressed. And she's kind of trying to have her cake and eat it too. Yes. Because it's She's clearly rich enough that the price doesn't matter. Right. But then you can't turn around and point out that it was expensive because if it wasn't expensive enough, expensive enough to matter to you and that you wouldn't deface it, then it's not worth bringing up. But wait so, a sec. Wait a sec. We always talk about the, the lens which, with, with which people see the world. For example, we said uh, Keely, uh, you know, was all about banter, whereas Shandy said, "Why don't we turn banter into the Kardashians?" You know. So, yeah. From this perspective, the way I read this was. Keely said, is this priceless? Did you start? She, she referenced it as priceless, which in Jack's circles, there are items that are quote unquote priceless. And she's like, oh no, it was merely actually very expensive. Very expensive is a lower tier than priceless to her because that's the lens she's seeing. That's the way I read it. No, it was actually very expensive. Not, I didn't think she was saying, uh, it's very expensive. I get credit for this. She was saying, oh, no, it was only – she She was demoting the tier of effort rather than elevating it. In my mind, that's how I read it uh, because she was you – know, she says it wasn't priceless. It was actually very expensive. That was the, a lower category of, of spending. I thought she was – that's what I thought she was doing. But, of course, there are fewer – there are more – from Keeley's perspective, there are far more priceless things in the world than there are from Jack's perspective. Um, right. But you get the sense that Jack doesn't really care about other people's perspectives. I, I mean, that's, that's, if she's defacing Jane Austen <laughs> first editions, which are, there are a limited <laughs> amount of on the planet earth. Uh, hmm. I'm wonder, wondering if she, if she subscribes to that. Yeah. Other so people's ideas. One of the things for me is that I don't care about the physical copy of the book itself. If somebody gave me a first edition of a, any book that I like, I would be impressed, but I would feel as impressed if they were like, hey, this is a book I think you would really enjoy. You should have it. So for me, there is a little bit where I'm like, it's a first edition. I'm, I don't care that much. I'm significantly more upset that what she decided to write was you go girl. Yeah. If I, like, if mm -hmm. I received something from somebody who was romantically interested in me and they said, you go girl, we would not have sex again. We wouldn't. It's, it would it's be pretty lame. It's yeah. very lame. What you got? What's 
Is that Jane Austen? His microphone is. Oh, oh it's, it's Joseph Heller. Okay. Uh, 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 oh, it's a catch twenty two. I had my uh, so for my fiftieth birthday, my best friend got me a first edition signed Joseph Heller catch twenty two, and it was very meaningful to me because I love this book. And, and what did he write in it? Nothing, because he's an awesome dude. Have you, never... have you checked the back matter? Because I think if you <laughs> yeah, lift up the jacket, you might see a little well, message. He, that he, yeah. he drew a funny little picture, right? In the, in the yeah, front it's, of... it's actually a picture of the um, Bud Light What's Up guys just shouting at each other page <laughs> after page. Yeah, and he, scri- he, he tried a couple of passes on it because the first few pictures weren't good, so he just scribbled them out. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, it just, I think it just <laughs> represents, um, it, again, it's a worldview. And if you can buy anything, um, then the relative uh, importance of, of, of that may be uh, lesser. Um, mm. Anyway, I can get very jealous, which is a, I thought was a very interesting point to bring up as number two. This yeah. was the biggest red flag for me, this, the second point that she brings and up. And I hate the idea of you re-gifting that, which suggests to me that there is a end that is imagined. Um, I don't, are you, I remember, um, I, I remember starting relationships. I would always feel like, I think I know how this might end. Um, and it's an, it, w- it was really comforting to get to one where, where I couldn't see the end of automatically. You could kind of factor in like, okay, I could, I could see how this might not, we're going to give it a try. Have you guys ever had that experience? Yes. It, maybe I missed it. Which experience where you're like, this definitely will be ending. Like yeah, I can see you, the end of this. Yeah. When you I start this it, thing or how it's likely to. Yeah. Be. I, often yeah. I would say, yeah. Um, I don't know about often, but I, uh, yeah, there were a few relationships where for whatever reasons we knew we weren't long-term compatible, but yeah, you know, uh, uh, one guy was, uh, leaving college to go off and be a screenwriter and I think he's selling insurance someplace now. So like, isn't it? Don't we have it job. on good authority? That's, that's attractive. Mm-hmm. Don't we have it on good authority that all your ex-boyfriends live in Asia? Boyfriends, all ex-boyfriends. There were guys that I dated who are not boyfriends. They're different things. Boyfriends uh, were, we are in a committed relationship. You are my boyfriend. Yeah. There were a lot of guys where we made out a few times. And then I was like, all right, catch you later. Hmm. Yeah. And based on what we know about you also, you uh, would attend some function and then declare, I'm going to be making out with you later. Yes. And you would make out, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that happens. That's, that's, that's a power move. That's a yeah, good yeah. move. Yeah. And then if you dated them for long enough and actually had some uh, level of commitment, then they eventually ended up in Asia. I just want to make sure that that's accurate. The two ex-boyfriends that I have, yes, are both uh, – well, all right. So there's one that's iffy. We never officially were boyfriend-girlfriend, but other people thought we were. He only had to move to Montana. The two that I was like, you are my boyfriend and we are dating – uh, it, it, the last time I checked on them lived in Asia and that was, you know, 10 ish years ago. All right. You go girl. Well, uh, now I'm, I'm going to end this podcast. I'm being, I'm being a Jack. <laughs> I'm being a Jack. <laughs> uh, you go girl. Oh, she says, Oh, I'll go watch me. And I was like, I don't, uh, like any of it. I don't like this. I don't buy it. I don't like it. Uh, it, it seems like surface level, 
getting to know you horse shit uh, talk, you know, like this. I just don't, it doesn't, there's, there's no depth to it. So whatever. It, it just doesn't, doesn't do it for me. Uh, come here. Um, she kisses her and Jack says, she says, thank you. And Jack says, you're welcome. Uh, this, I, I would say like, okay, there's never a reason why they give you a book in Ted Lasso and there is no connectivity. So for me, I'm like, okay, this is, this to me signified we're going to get the Roy. No, we, I can't speak for everyone. I know I want Roy and Keeley <laughs> back together. I'm assuming Keeley is Marianne, Roy is Colonel Brandon and, and Jack, which is, which is another name for John, <laughs> um, is uh, the name of Willoughby. And as we know in the book, um, you know, Will, Willoughby's whirlwind courtship, uh, leads to not. And so uh, we we end up with the um, very stable Colonel Brandon. So I was like, okay, that's that's what's happening here, and um, yeah, that's how I took it. One other thing I'll say, I don't I don't love any of this. I'm curious. <laughs> really, don't you're having a hard time. I'm curious if because uh, we glossed over something, and I'm I'm like, what if we have not glossed over anything? I have I have. A <laughs> We're minute 69. We're on page three of the show notes. We've not glossed this, over this, anything. This is how it goes. It, welcome yeah. to this. Yes. This is not a critique. I'm just saying let's let's be accurate with our with our language. That's all. So in, <laughs> in, in past episodes, we have alluded to this and and perhaps we haven't uh, gotten into it uh, in this episode to this in the same level of depth. But I'm going to come back to what's in Barbara's drawer because we never really had any closure about that. And uh, I'm wondering if that was just like a little dangling participle that was, that was left there. That's going to sort of out uh, Jack down the road. But anyway, um, we cut to Sam entering the, the restaurant. Uh, And John, can you walk us through uh, Sam's greeting people? And as he gets to uh, Simi, so Sam uh, enters Ola's, and uh, he uh, he he greets everybody by name, which is nice. The 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 uh, when we were in the restaurant before, um, I don't believe we got any of the names of the of the staff. Um, you looked up if you looked it up on IMDb, you could see that the uh, the unnamed chef with whom he clearly had a connection was named Simi, but we didn't get that name in the episode, if I remember correctly. Um, You're right. Yeah, but, or Farina. Yeah. Yeah, we we Farida did not get named either. So he so he goes and uh, and greets everybody very warmly. He's very familiar with everyone, and to uh, Farida, who appears to be, um, I'm, I'm assuming she is um, like the head hostess, the head of the 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 the, the staff in that regard. Anyway, he he says, uh, "I have a favor to ask," and he sounds kind of weighted about it. And he he says, "Do we have an open table on Friday night?" And um, she. She laughs very, um, very knowingly because she assumes that uh, that he's, you know, just telling a joke, just bantering. Um, and then it's a, it's a, it's also a mirror of the, um, the conversation that Ted and Nate have in, uh, I believe it's Rainbow. I believe it's season two, episode five, when they need a big dog to talk to Roy, and 
Nate volunteers to do it, and Ted laughs, and then he says, "Oh, you're being serious." Nice, um, good pull. Which Ac- sort Axel of the, pull. which was sort of the uh, one of the few times that Ted was kind of really like that. That you weren't being openly dickish, but you weren't thinking about what you were saying. Like that's that wasn't the nicest thing to say to Nate. That was that was where it really started to split open. Anyway. Sam really does want a table uh, on Friday night, and no, uh, Farida tells him the restaurant's booked for month, uh, months. The waiting list is a lie. We tell people. Um, uh, I, I thought that was pretty funny. The, way, the, the pretty waiting good, list yeah. is a lie that we tell people. <laughs> it's it's also it's nice to know that uh, that the restaurant's doing so well. We hadn't seen it in a few episodes, and yeah. it's Sam's you know, see me later calls it. Um, a passion project and she says it kind of derisively because of the because of the issue that they're talking about but it's it's good it made me really happy to know that olaz is, is doing very well um no doubt no doubt it turns out that there's a sam wants a table because there's a special guest coming i i wonder who it could be who who's this vip who's this um this ray liotta that he refers to i need a ray liotta for one for friday night and did you recognize uh, that reference uh coach i did not i did not recognize boss that you know what that is yeah, Goodfellas. Yeah, that's Goodfellas. So, so Ray Liotta, who who play who plays uh, Henry Hill, is trying to uh, sort of impress his future wife. Takes her to a restaurant. There's no way. There's a line out the door. You cannot get in. He walks in the back. They see him him coming, and they pull out. They're like, "This way, this way, Mister Hill, this way." And they pull out a table, put it right in front of the stage, the best seat in the house. Drop two chairs on it. Set it quickly. And he sits there with his date and future wife, and then a bunch of uh, wise guys greet him and send wine over, and and uh, <laughs> and she's like, "What do you do for a living?" They're like, in construction. What? <laughs> so it's waste a great- management. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. She's like construction. Yeah. She's like, "You don't look like you're in construction." He's like, "I'm a." I'm a labor delegate or something like that. I forget the exact term, but um, really funny. But that's what that's what Sam needs here. He needs a special guest and need to make him feel special. Um, I love the just offhand Goodfellas reference. Just just so good. We say this is Gen X show. It's just amazing. Um, yeah, f- phenomenal stuff. Um, Wait a and, minute. Does, does oh go ahead, go ahead. I think you're about no, to say no, what I was about to say. Well, does 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 Farida? Does she say, "I'll take care of it"? Take care of it. Does she repeat that in the show? Did I miss that detail? Because you've written it here in the no, notes no, she, that we're no, following. No, she, no, she did. She says that. Yeah, she says it twice, though. I mean, yeah, I'll take it right. Then that's another Goodfellas reference. Oh yeah, yeah, Johnny Two Times. To Johnny Two Times. Yeah, I'm gonna go get Wait, the no, papers. Wait, no, isn't that Bronx? T- oh no, Johnny Two Times. No, is. that's Goodfellas. That's, that's Goodfellas. Goodfellas. Yeah, that's right. And the the montage of the earlier in the movie when we're meeting all the different characters, everybody's lined up at the. Uh, I can't remember if it's the bar or the restaurant, wherever, wherever they're all line up and we get that long, slow Scorsese shot and, and the voiceover where uh, Ray Liotta, Henry explains who everybody is. So, so there's a double Goodfellas reference there. Very nice. All right. Now, now I'm going to give you the, I'm going to give you the, the, the ultimate, you're going to love this. Um, all right. Ready for this? <clears throat> who did we say? Sudeikis, before he made the show, he's a big fan of what rom-com uh, screenwriter? Norefron. Norefron. Okay. Um, the movie Goodfellas is based on a book. Do you know the name of the book? Wise Guy. Written by who? Uh, I'm going to assume Henry Hill and 
someone with book writing experience who you're about to tell us. Nicholas Pileggi. Oh, Nicholas Pileggi. Pileggi wrote that. Yeah, that's right. And I, um, I don't know if you guys know, but you know who uh, Nora Ephron's husband is? Up until 2012. Marlon Brando. Yeah. Oh, oh, they did get divorced? Oh, that's terrible. I didn't know that. Shoot. <laughs> but they were, yeah, they were, um, I went to see him at like, when I was in college, I went to see him at one of the Sunnis. He was talking, and and uh, because I just read Wise Guy, and it was unbelievable. And it was one of those things where, like, oh, another college is having a talk, and you're like, ugh, you just never do it. I, I didn't anyway. I was like, oh, it's such a hassle to leave my school and go to this, you know, drive and whatever. But I was like, I loved the book. I was like blown away by the book, and went to hear him talk. And he was so there was only like there's probably two professors in the audience, and maybe eight of us. <laughs> You know what I mean? And he yeah. was so personable and charming and kind and answered all. And he came and sat down in the. He's like, I don't know why I'm up here on the stage. He just came and sat with us, and it was like very, <laughs> very Ted Lasso. Actually, it's yeah. a very cool thing because then all of a sudden it, it went from like this. I don't know the, the artifice of having someone speak on stage to just he's like, oh, yeah, yeah no, I'm going to totally change this right now yeah. because it's not, it's not, it doesn't need to be that. It doesn't need, I don't need to have this distance. And then we got to ask all these questions about, uh, you know, all these little intricacies. And he, he was amazing. Um, I just thought it was a really cool um, connection there to, I mean, like, we're just, it's just so, I, I, again, we could be given, we could be attributing these things accidentally and they may not have been intentional, but um, yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's amazing. Uh, but yeah, Farida says, I'll take care of it. Go ahead, boss. Just so we don't get tweets. It is unfortunate. The reason they are no longer married is because Nora Ephron unfortunately passed away in 2012. Not that they got divorced. They were married until the time of her death. Oh, 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 oh. Mm-hmm. I didn't remember she had died that recently. I thought it was I thought it was earlier than that. Oh well, I mean 2012 oh. is eleven no, years I mean, it's ago. Not re- but that's what I'm saying is <laughs> <laughs> it was earlier than that. I'm not yeah. saying, I'm yeah. not saying recent reason. I'm saying relatively yeah. speaking. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yesterday, 2012. It's all. It's yeah. about the same. But 95 it's... was, you know, like roughly seven years ago. Always. Oh boy. I did not know she had passed away. I somehow missed it, and so now I'm having a Jamie Tart moment where I'm saying, "Oh, oh George, George Harrison," but I've only just found out. Yeah, like. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm I'm a little heartbroken. I did not know that she was not oh, no. on, the, on the planet with us anymore. That is terrible. How did I? I I must have wiped it from my. I, I'm still I'm still uh, just just broken about Alan Rickman. So um, you know mm-hmm. uh, whatever. Maybe maybe it just another recent death. Anyway, okay. So um, Sam says you're the best. Thank you. And we hear from the from the kitchen. Uh, someone says, "Oh fuck you." And Sam says, if you'll excuse me. And he comes in and says, is everything okay in here? Simi says, I don't know. Um, and then Simi goes, is everything okay in here? And what does everybody say? Emily, ready? Three, two, one. Yes, Jeff. Oh, Damn it, I missed it. Sorry. Were... I, right, I, should, no, 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 no. Please, please, no. I'm going to get no, PTSD because this is how coach and boss sign off every episode oh, intentionally being out of sync. So that I, <laughs> I lose my mind. So yeah, no, they say yes, chef. I, 
I, I assumed you meant from watching the bear was the PTSD that you couldn't hear another oh. single person say yes, Jeff. No, I mean, that was great. Sure. We, we say that uh, in, our, in my house, except Juliana likes to say she likes the Jeff part of it when it was a joke in the beginning or uh, the character called him Jeff. So she's like, behind you, Jeff. Like, always, I'm always Jeff. <laughs> um, so anyway, everything's fine. So who are you talking to? Brenda Barrow, uh, which I think this is a very uh, – obvious reference to the former secretary of home, whatever the one that had two P's home secretary. Home secretary yeah. Um, yeah. And I forget her, you know, the, the alliteration, I think the other one had two P's. Um, but anyway, uh, and was she here? Uh, and she says, no poo poo head, which I was like, huh? <laughs> that seemed like no dumb, dumb. You're a dumb to go sit in the dumb, dumb circle to me. And, yeah, and I think it's yeah. supposed to be charming. But I didn't – it's the only thing that Simi said that I didn't love. I would rather her be like hmm. – I guess just because I'm a – I tend to be more of a Roy Kent with these things and and being in such close proximity to the body, um, Emily Chambers has given me an affinity for crass, um, casual vulgarity. And so I'd rather – she's like, no shithead. Fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you, boss. Thank you, boss. Uh <laughs> Okay, um, so yeah, Home Secretary. There's something kind of childish about it. Yeah, I don't know what it is. In a, in a maybe it's just maybe yeah. it's just as as is it, racy as she gets. I don't really know. Is it more or less offensive than PP fingers? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, good, good call. It's uh, oh god, PP fingers is more vivid and and realistic. Here's the thing: it just seems to me that Simmy's a boss. Like B A U C E boss, like yeah. she she seems like she, her first line in this show is in this episode is oh fuck you right, and then she dips to poo poo head, so it's like right yeah yeah why all of a sudden yeah yeah, yeah just uh, and she she's always struck me when she's like do not um, serve my food with that face she says to Sam remember and she's and mm-hmm. she's just a little yeah. she's in charge I just like like her affect and poo poo head seems beneath her pee pee fingers is just you just go oh that's like this is the dark side of Ned Flanders where, where you can't, you know, when it goes off the rails and becomes PP fingers. So um, let me ask you this though. Would you coach Thor Castleton say any of this to see me? Would you say, why do you say poo poo head? That's kind of lame. Oh my, are you kidding me? I am, I am immortally terrified of Simi. <laughs> and also so then, I'm like wildly, so that, wildly attracted. So she, she, I think she is a absolute knockout, and so everything she does kind of charms me. Um, in I, when I watch her on screen, it's like when you watch figure skating, where you have like slightly open mouth and just kind of marvel. And I, yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah I think she's just re- remarkable. Um, so yeah, I want her to, I want her to be better than Poopoo Head, but you know, this is a refugee boat's, boat's coming in, and her home secretary wants to send him away. Uh, why would she do that? Because she's the devil, right? Yes, chef. Okay, listen. <laughs> Sam says, okay, listen. Brenda Barrow sucks for sure. Um, and he says, but Simi, it's way too early to be this angry. Which I was like, oh, that's... Which is... Yeah. That's such a sweet, naive thing to say. <laughs> it's way too... What better time to be angry than when it's early? And you're either not asleep or some dumb thing has happened that you're not ready well, for. Well, wait a sec there, coach. Because if you get angry... All you got to do is count to 10. If that don't work, <laughs> you got to do it over again. Right? Oh, boss that's, is scowling at that, me. For those of you 
that works for Henry, but I don't think that that's going to work for me. All the long-term listeners, uh, I hope you would appreciate I wish I could screen tap the look boss is giving me because she, <laughs> once we did that, she's like, that doesn't solve the problem. That's surface bullshit. It doesn't solve the problem. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It is to prevent you from you. having an anxiety attack. It is to make you present. It does not get rid of the anger. Jesus. It can help you analyze or you know, it can remove you from the problem, which will give you better perspective. But it does not solve the problem. So no. Sam says, maybe you should start drinking coffee again. It's better for your heart. And she goes, <laughs> she goes, why are you here? That was good. Is there, is there, what did she say here, boss? Why are you Dead here? Air. Is there a Photoshop for football or passion project magazine or something? That is, that is vicious. <laughs> that is mm-hmm. vicious. That's, is there a photo yeah. That is the opposite of poo-poo head. Yeah, for football or passion project magazine or something. That's like, like <laughs> you don't have to work here if you don't like it. That is a yeah. that's a that's, gut that's punch. Pretty rough. Yeah, damn. Yeah, she's ruthless. I mean, that's a very weird pivot from poopoo head to that to like a real shot in the. Well, nuts. she's taking it out on him. She's she's mad about racists in power, and Sam's right there. And he's you know to be fair to see me, Sam is still in many ways very naive. Yeah, and well, I understand that, but I mean. I mean, you know, what's the problem with racist and power when you really think about it? It's fine. So um, why be mad about it, right? No problems Right, yet. boss? It never hasn't, – hasn't caused any <laughs> any issues so far, as far as I could see. Um, oh, speaking of which, the, the name of the Home Secretary under Boris Johnson was uh, Preeti Patel. That's it. The two Ps that you yes, were That's exactly yes. right. Speaking of racism yep. and power. Um, no, he says, I stopped by to make sure everything was okay. She says, everything's perfect. Uh, and now Sam is, he's just got this trepidation. He picks up spoon and a fork and notices that they don't match. And Simi says, what to him, uh, coach? She says, Samuel, if the food is good, which it is, no one cares about the spoons, right. which is true. Um, That's right. and then of course asks the staff, am I right? Yes, Jeff. That's right. That's um, right. I love that. She calls him Samuel. Yeah. I love that she gets a like mother slash big sister slash just general figure of authority over him in that moment because she's absolutely right. And she's pivoting away from her own frustration to and the mean thing that she just said to to just be very matter of fact with him, which is exactly what he needs. She can read his anxiety. Well, I think I don't know if I read mother or sister. I. I think I'm I not read, necessarily those things, just that level of like, no, I'm, I know how to make this better. I'm just going to tell you right now the way it is and that will make it better in the way that like, if you're a kid and your mom says, well, you know, that's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. Come here. Then it's okay. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. 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 No, no. Oh yeah. With you, I'm on that. They're clearly going to fuck. So I'm not trying to say she's. I, that, okay. That's good. Cause I, yeah. I was, <laughs> yeah. That that's, that's not the road weird. I'm going down here. Uh, yes. Um, so, um, yes, but that's, that's, that is true. So, uh, he says, you know, this is a little bit of exposition for, for the audience, you know, just my father's coming this weekend. And it's interesting because he says something that the, um, close captioning picks up as him saying fuck, which I don't buy. I just didn't think he would say, cause it says, you know, I just, my father's coming this weekend. So fuck. And I just, and I'm like, I, it didn't just how they picked it up. And when I watched it, I rewound it a few times and I'm like, I don't think he says fuck there, but it just didn't seem like Sam. I think they save his, 
didn't he have a whole thing about profanity? I hate when I use profanity. Like when him and Ted were in that fight and he and he stormed off and he felt badly mm. about it right away. So it didn't seem congruent with his normal talking cadence or patterns. Um anyway, doesn't especially since he's he swears later when he's really exactly bad. ted and sam are two like, of the characters like, like, that really hold their swears for key moments and if yeah. you swear you know there's yeah. a damn good reason um yeah i just want everything to be perfect he's coming all the way from nigeria they're re- refreshing our memory that that's where sam is originally from uh not uh ghana where his new enemy uh, edwin akufo uh is apparently shitting on pictures of him if you remember the uh breakup scene <laughs> um and simi says hmm, if this bitch lets him in now mm. we go to um we go to uh Richmond. I the film Yeah. So this is uh it's funny because I was showing uh, Juliana did not have a lot of time and I said I really love this episode. And when I was trying I'm like okay, she has a limited we just had limited time together. But I wanted her to get mm. the as much of the episode as I could with the very, very limited time. And she was, we're in bed, she was falling asleep. And I'm like, okay, just, just watch, oh. you know, like, just watch, like, what I'm like, okay, what do I pick? And out of necessity, n- not just because it's my personal taste, but out of necessity, I skipped everything that wasn't directly related to the team because I'm like, a lot of it, you know, this is where you hear people say, oh, this is, a f- you know, one of the filler episodes of this season, that sort of thing. It's not, they really have to, they're trying to dot I's and cross T's, so they have to move plot lines along. It just so happened that in my case, some of the plot lines that were being moved along were the ones I was, you know, least interested in. Jack, K- KJPR, um, Nate, whatever happens with Nate, you know, all that stuff. So I ended up just kind of showing her the Richmond scenes. And then she okay. made a comment like, oh, isn't this funny? Because I kept saying, this doesn't matter, this doesn't matter. Uh, and she's like, isn't this what you were arguing about last season? Like, you were just really in it for the <laughs> yes, soccer, you know, and I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, I guess. Right. I'm outing myself. <laughs> but we are in the film room. Ted says, all right, fellas, focus up here. Everyone's seated. Uh, and Ted's out in front, in front of a screen. He says, uh, right about now, Roy's going to make things dark. Ted, he's very, he's got a lot of showmanship. And Roy hits the lights. And I'm like, I don't know what the light switches are in Europe, but he hits the lights. Like, he hits them. You know, say, oh, somebody hit the lights. Yeah, that's a that's a very American colloquialism, right? That's not just me, right? That's not just new, the Northeast. Everybody said you say that, right, John? No, that's okay. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can, I'm not saying you personally say, but it is you have heard that term. It's it not is, limited yes. to a New England yes. kind of thing. Because all we do is hit hit. Things. No, it's the name of the first song on Metallica's debut album. It's immortalized. Everybody knows that. Okay. Oh, good. Yeah, good. Yeah, it, it is. It's called Hit the Lights. So now you know. Well, I, hey, I, um, I appreciate. But no, you. he hits it like the he hits it like the um, the switch um, that uh, that's there. The this, the outdoor indoor switch to open the door for if you're in a wheelchair, so you don't have to pull the the door open. The, that's the, what it looked the like. Switch to me. that opens yeah. it electronically. Yes, good yeah, call. a big thing like that. Yeah. So Ted says, "Roy's gonna make things dark." Bam! Lights go off. So that beard, Coach Beard here, can shed some light. Coach and boss. We know you are the personification of Coach Beard in this room. Please take it away. So I want to say that I'm not going to have his pronunciation uh, because I'm running through this. I don't know these names. I, uh, whoever's birthday it is that they released that, uh, Krof, 
I'm going to mispronounce Cruyff. I'm going to try to just wait until I add my my bad Irish accent along with this because I'm not going to mean to. Okay, Englishman. So, oh God. Um, So he, yeah, Beer turns on the TV and he's showing some highlights. And he says, at the World Cup, the tiny country of the Netherlands came out of nowhere and made it all the way to the World Cup final, playing the home team, heavily favored Germany. Those Dutch hippies scored before the Germans even touched the ball. There's such quiet pride in his voice. Yeah, it's really good. Dutch this is really a spotlight solo for Coach Beard, this whole Jan says, Yeah, but Holland lost that game. Correct. But along the way, they won the hearts of fans all around the world. With a style of play, dare I say, a philosophy, called Total Football. Which, coincidentally, Coach dreamed up in a barbecue sauce-related hallucination just last week. I love that. And they go to Ted, they pivot <laughs> over to Ted, and he, he is, he is, um, this is he looks pleased. And he goes, no, it's true, but hey, it's not about me. Go on, keep shining. And I laughed. Keep shining. Keep shining. I laughed out loud. <laughs> I so thought good. that was so funny. I mean, granted, he did set him up uh, to say Coach Spear is going to shed some light, but I, I was, you know, for me, it was like, shine on, you crazy diamond or whatever. I'm like, keep keep yeah, shining, yeah. you know, or keep keep smiling, keep shining. What is it? No one you can always count on me. I'm trying to think, right? I'm like, well, how would well, how would we use a colloquialism of shining? Like, keep keep shining, y'all. All right. Anyway, I thought it was great. I love yeah. love Ted in this moment. <laughs> so, who was the best player on that team? The best player on the team and the godfather of total football was this guy. Can anyone tell me who this is? And what does Isaac say, uh, uh, Coach? He says that's Tim Robinson from "I Think You Should Leave," which I assume is a British. No, 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 no. Is oh, no, Coach, you're in for a treat. <laughs> okay. Oh, no, 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 no. It, it is a... It's, um... Yeah, Tim... Go ahead, boss, you can tell him. Have you... Well, have you seen the the GIF, because you are on Twitter as much as I am, the GIF of mm-hmm. the guy falling out the bottom of the coffin as people are carrying... The pallbearers are carrying him? Yes, I have. That is Tim Robbins. I think you should leave. So he really was desperate to go then. Uh, it's sort of, I haven't watched all of it. it. I've seen clips, but it's sort of like a sort of sketch comedy, but also oh, no, real no, it's, it's, life. No, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it like, is. I, I shouldn't say sketch. He comes up with ideas and then he goes out in the public and. He, fi- yeah, he films it. Oh, okay. But it's, okay. I see. Yeah. They let us show him naked because they ain't got no souls or whatever. That's the one from the, but um. Yeah, he is a uh, yeah. a lot of cringe humor, a lot of really, really <laughs> mental, <laughs> twisted stuff, and um, yes, it's it's sort of a wonderful thing because he sort of he didn't really he was a uh, featured um, not a featured player, but he was a um, what is the term I'm looking for on SNL? Um, he was a yeah featured oh like the special yeah it is a featured player. the yeah. feature yeah, yeah the featured players yeah, and, and, feature, but he never made a, it to the main, main cast, cast and um, and people say okay. oh that's a that is a you know quote unquote failure of sorts, but he is a really really talented uh, comedian and and his 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 sense of humor is so twisted, he's so warped, um, and a lot of it is about repetition. A lot of it is about just really you, you really go down a rabbit hole with Tim Robinson. I thought it was hysterical that that was uh, included here, so that was a nice treat. Um, okay, and what does Beard say, boss? Yes. Well, I just want to mention it. I have nothing against the show. It's just my ability to withstand cringe humor. Tops out like <laughs> right below Michael Scott. 
there were parts of the office mm. where I was like, I got to walk away. I can't, I, I can't. With I'm this. with you. Yeah, no, so, there's a, right. Yeah. Everyone has a different gauge for it, but yeah, I, I can understand that. Um, Tim Robbins oof. is very, it, it is a different thing altogether, but anyway, keep going. Anyway, uh, no, it is Dutch football legend Johan Cruyff. And Jan Ma says it's pronounced Cruyff. Cruyff. My apologies. With total football, Johan Cruyff. And Jan Ma says that's it. Uh, also, wait, wait. I want to point out here, Beard. We already know Beard speaks. Please, yeah. <laughs> he can speak Dutch. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, he either he speaks so. Dutch or speaks enough of it to go have a good time. Yeah, well, right. We don't know the de- his, the le- but he's yeah. like, don't tell. He, the one of the things he said at the end of the last episode. Don't tell. Don't Jan. tell Jan. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, is he really? Is he setting Jan up for something? It's just like the, you know, you hit a gong three times. Uh, you know, rule of comedy is you do operate in threes. So the first one was we figure out. Oh shit, Will knows now that Helga, Heiken, Sizer, Dewey. You know all the stuff he was saying. So there's the first one. The second one is here where he is intentionally letting on, like he doesn't know how to say these things. And I'm wondering what the third one's going to be. I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be a nice payoff. Um, so Jan Maas <laughs> says that's it. And keep going, boss. I just would like to throw in here. So number one, I don't know if we know that Beard knows who Johan Cruyff was before. Brendan Hunt absolutely does because he fell in love with soccer in Holland. I'm oh no, Beard knows. Beard knows who Jan. No, no, Beard knows. Beard put well, the put the video. I, I, I just mean that he might not have known. Like there is a knowing who Michael Jordan is now, and a living through Michael Jordan when he was doing the it's, three. It's actually That's pronounced different. Jordan. Oh, is it? It's Jordan. Yeah, a Jordan. <laughs> uh, listen, is, there's a, this is a this is there a, a Michael. Michael Jordan. Um. No, 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 no. Believe it or not, I swear to God, this is. This is I'm not going to say heresy, but this is this is changed for TV purposes because the man who came up with Total Football was the Dutch coach at the time, uh, whose name was uh, Renus Mikkels, and Mikkels he was um, they they call they intentionally say Cruff was the Godfather is what they the term they chose they didn't say like oh he's the one that came up with it but he was the captain. When Mickles was the coach, and Mickles was the one that came up with it, okay. and so that's so I was like, oh, that's interesting. They sort of eliminated mm. poor. Re- I mean, I understand why for the interest of TV, but um, yeah. Anyway, so Jan Mas says that's it, and Jan Cruyff did what, boss? Took his small club Ajax to three straight European titles. Now he later became a coach first at Ajax, and then he took total football to Barcelona where he won the Spanish championship four years in a row. Now a central cog of that team was an industrious but brilliant midfielder named Joseph Gordiola, a.k.a. Pep. Right. Ted said, look at that head of hair. God had to take it away just to balance things out, you know? And Roy <laughs> says, mm. Pep became a coach as well, honing his own version of total football that he took to Barcelona and Bayern Munich eventually landing at our great white whale, Manchester City. Boo. Right. Boo hiss. Now, Boo. We, we've talked a little bit about this, how they're setting up West Ham and, and Man City. And and this is great. This is just more, um, another yet another example of when you keep making a certain team your great white whale. Notice that it's not West Ham that's their great white whale. We both, we know they're mm. going to meet West Ham and they're going to meet Man City once more this season. 
And uh, we know that they can't beat either team, at least up to this point. Um, and so we wondered aloud whether it would be uh, oh, West Ham was the one that really, really had to get by, or was it Man City? And there's no doubt in my mind that the final, if we end up doing the major league esque win the whole fucking thing, uh, which which remains to be seen because we don't know. You know, based on we always talk about how season one they get relegated in, in episode ten, and we all think it's the greatest episode ever. You know, like we're all blown away. <laughs> so this show has a has a real knack for being able to, to you know turn things on their on its ear. But um, you know, I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna meet Man City in the fight. I am pretty sure. So um, anyway, that's my my guess. When they say when they mention Man City, when, when Beard mentions it, landing our great white whale, Manchester City. Jamie like zips in the back. He's in the back row. He zips his lip and throws the key away. And he's like, and then all the players boo. And Beard says, you know, because this is they know this is their great white whale. Jamie's like, I'm not gonna say a word about it. And what does Beard say? Where he briefly coached a very talented young player. Until that beautiful dum-dum quit to do a reality show. Right. And this is where we're going to miss Coach Bishop because right here he would be so – he would be losing his mind. Because Jamie says what, Coach? What does he say? I was robbed. I was robbed. And and everybody laughs. And I'm like, oh, my God. How far has he come? How far has this boy come? Right? And and it's not like he doesn't have that – uh, it, there's no specter of shame around it. There's no embarrassment. There's no, you know, he did it. We remember he did it to stick it to his old man, you know, and then yes. mm-hmm. the old man confronted him and Jamie punched him out. And that's when the, and then Roy Kent, his, his nemesis who came to headbutt him at a strip club or, or whatever at a, at a club, uh, and couldn't stand him as a person and said, you leave Nate fucking alone. Right. Right. Had to show up there to scream. Mm-hmm. In person, like these two have loathed each other, even though Jamie had a poster of Roy Kent when he was a little kid, just like Danny had the Zava boots. Um, All of this happened. Roy Kent ends up hugging Jamie and then Jamie begins his transformation. And he said he laughs in the back with a big smile on his face and yells, I was robbed. And everybody laughs. And, And there's nothing... Was there any? Did either of you sense in that moment there was any negativity, anything? Not right? at all. No. Uh, the only thing I would say is I think he Jamie began his his transformation way before that because he had to be humbled and humble enough to come back to relegated Richmond when he couldn't get a job. He couldn't get placed with a team anywhere else at the beginning of season two after he um, after he's off. Um, Love Island. And he says, you know, maybe I could play in, what does he say, in France or Germany? Yeah, no, I and tries. nobody, like, nobody, nobody wants him. Nobody takes him seriously. Um, and so he, he has to kind of go back to Richmond with his tail between his legs. And then he allies with the, he's the first one to stand up with Sam when they, um, uh, when they tape their jerseys and protest of Dubai Air. So, like, his, his, there's more, his emotional growth, I think, starts at the beginning of season two. And then once we get to Man City, that's where it goes even deeper. And he has to, like, he's being able to confront his father and sort of turn to 
someone who's still throughout season two been kind of his not quite nemesis, but definitely his tormentor in Roy Kent. Um, like that's that's probably the best, just straight up demonstrations of of emotional growth that the show has done. Everything they've done with Jamie from season one to now, I think, has been fantastic. Yeah. Well said, Coach. I think it did help a lot that Beard referred to him as uh, that beautiful dum-dum. Yeah. Because there's yeah. no better way to warm up Jamie than to tell him that he's beautiful. Even if you're going to call him He won't hear stupid, the second part. He won't care. He won't hear the dum-dum part. Yeah. No, solid point. Um, uh, keep going here, boss. What does uh, he say about total football? Total football is constant movement. Players are no longer in set possessions. Positions. Defenders are free to attack. Attackers are trusted to defend. It's about taking risks and supporting each other's choices. Right. And now Sam says, like when your friend wears something new and outside his comfort zone, instead of ignoring it, everyone, everybody pays him a compliment. And Colin turns and goes, oh, by the way, great hat, Ash. I don't even know who ha- Ash is. I'm like, who's Ash? I was going to say, I don't, there are a few characters, a few characters we've seen around the team here and there this season that I don't recognize at all. And Ash is, well, I think this was Ash's introduction. Yeah. I don't remember Ash him at is, all. Uh, whatever. He's um, got a big old hat on <laughs> it's 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 not it's, a it's not a great hat by the way i as a, i have tweeted uh often about how i am unfortunately attracted to men who have terrible hat wear and this is not it <laughs> well roy disagrees with you he says it's pretty sweet and ted says yeah it frames his face nicely um which is just it's all sweet lasso way stuff all right keep going boss exactly Total football is about letting go of your baggage and trusting your intuition. It's jazz. It's Motown. It's Mammoth. It's Pinter. It's Einstein. It's Curie. It's Gaga. It's my mother proudly displaying her vibrator on the bedside table. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, it's funny because in the um, – I, I – I, uh, as someone who has taken the David Mammoth master class, um, I, so one of my friends gifted me a master class membership. Uh, for one year, and I just I listened to everyone I could. I want I wow. want to uh, shoot David Mamet into the sun. He 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 like whatever the thing he's got going on is the other is like you know what I mean. You know, certain people there's no real reason, but something about them just riles you up. Um, so I was like ah, because I like loved the list: Pinter, Einstein, on the the um, he says Curie, but it picked up Keurig on the. Um, it did, did you notice yeah. that on the, those captions? Some people are like, wait, yeah. like plastic coffee? Like, Curry. yeah, uh-huh. uh, that's funny. Um, it, it's my mother proudly displaying her vibrator on the bedside table. Beard is getting all fired up. Ted, like, does the thing where he frowns, like, thinking about it, like, huh. And Roy, Roy looks over at Ted. Uh, keep, keep going, boss. It's about throwing off the constraints put on you by society and by yourself. We all know football is life, but a beautiful life. Is total football. Yes. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful end to a uh, moving tribute to the beautiful game. And um, Ted says, that's good. That's it right there. Uh, give it up. That's coach. And players all clapping. Players actually clap. They're really, they're like, damn, that is, that is, you know, mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. That's, stuff. yeah. Um, that's what talking about your mom's vibrator on the bedside table is going to do. <laughs> Hallelujah. I also I I don't remember if I've mentioned this specifically before because I know too much about Brendan Hunt. I'm not sure if I've shared that his mother has passed away. He, he has said oh. that she's passed away. 
So there's something you know. I really actually, you know who about. else has passed away that I just found out? Uh, Nora Ephron. Nora yeah. Ephron. Nora yeah, Ephron. That's true. Oh, shit. Yeah. So you better start Shocking. living. Don't don't pass up another day. Now that you know <laughs> she's actually, dead. I'm actually really bummed about like legitimately like. <laughs> I'm like, God damn it. She's a, I, she's a beaut. Ugh, damn it. Anyway, sorry. I'm, sorry. Go back to talking so, about Brendan Hunt's actual mother and whatever connection gonna, to the vibrator yeah, you're going to make. Yes, please. No, it's just, um, I really like, so you know how like, if you have bad news for somebody, you always wonder like, do I save it for the morning? Cause I don't want them to like screw up their sleep or whatever. I want to make sure that they're okay. No more bad news during the podcast for Castleton. It's all bad news after we're done yeah, recording, please. apparently. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm very no, I'm Nora fragile. Ephron is, is alive and well in, yeah. in Florida. Yeah. And she will be for the next 46 minutes. Exactly. Florida. Um, and, and no. She can't be alive and well there. <laughs> that doesn't matter. Anyway, no, keep going. Prob- well. <laughs> Not uh, anymore, no. No. Yeah. Um, and no, just so my only point is that uh, Coach Beard's mom has had the QAnon tendencies and now yeah. apparently the vibrator on the side of the bed table so i like not that brendan hunt is working through issues with his mom but it, I, it indicates <laughs> to me that their relationship was close enough that his alter ego could do some gentle ribbing of his mother and it seems okay like in this weird I, sort of yeah, dynamic he's picked up like i feel like brendan hunt's mom probably kicked ass i, I, I like this i like the logic there i think that's i think you're right Again, this um, would be a good place yeah. for to have Coach Bishop, and we miss you. We hope you're getting better, uh, big fella. Look, I can't be Coach Bishop. No, 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 I'm no. sorry. You don't have to Coach, keep pointing Coach, it out. Coach, that is not no, no, that is not a, a slight against you because <laughs> he would. I he know. loves the term "unpack." When in the first season, when mm. when Ted meets Rebecca and she says, "Oh, uh, you know, Mister Welton was my father. Mister Welton was my father," and says, "I don't, well, I don't really want to unpack that with you." So he loves unpacking things, and if we, Coach, he gets really fired up around gender issues about sexual issues about taboo issues and so if he were here he would be like yeah that's you right i put the vibrator on a motherfucking table i'm not putting it in the drawer he's like he would be so funny like he's like what i don't have needs <laughs> like he would be so he would write he would defend this and he would be like good for her yes he'd be pointing at us in the screen like this and going you i'm yeah. with you mrs beard or whatever yeah because he would be like that's what we need to do. We need more. Every woman should have a vibrator at the bedside table because fuck you. That's why. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, would he have brought a vibrator to point at you for extra? No, no, emphasis? he has ADHD, so he he for, in a minute to minute basis, yeah, he would never, would never have remembered that. But um, okay. yeah, no, he would have liked to, but it would. He would put a reminder in a Google th- alarm that would go off, and he would turn the alarm off and forget one second later, like me. Um. I would enjoy in one of our next episodes, when we do total uh, TEDcast, to have you and Coach switch roles. So you're doing your impression of him, and he's doing his impression of you, and I want you guys to say each other's lines, just to see what would happen. I'll stay Jamie. You guys switch. (laughs) Yeah, you'd like, you like, yeah, that whole, well, see, you wouldn't be able to do it. We know what happened with Jamie staying Jamie. So, um... Uh, Ted says, that's good. That's it right there. Um, All right, fellas. We wanted you all to know a little bit about the history of Total Football because that's what we're going to start playing here. And then I was really surprised. uh, Coach, who is the person that is the first person to sort of vocally protest about that uh, pronouncement? That would be Sam. Yeah. What does he say? It would be Mr. Sam Obisanya. He says no. He just no. What? No. 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 What? Whoa. Whoa. Right. Whoa. 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 And you know, there's a general, there's a general hubbub. But Sam is the most 
uh, instantaneous yeah. with and it. And of course, we get uh, we know that when we hear the word "oi," we know it's either it's oy. either Roy or Keeley. Yeah. Uh, he says, "You turn those frowns upside down <laughs> because we're fucking doing this. We're gonna drill it. We're gonna train it, and then a couple months, we're gonna take it total football to the fucking pitch." And Ted says, "No, actually, we're gonna do it this Saturday against Arsenal." Well, that's fucking mental. He's <laughs> like right away, like I mean, he was like, it was yeah. such a great line. Like he could not, and it, and it is like it is. I I'm the one that usually breaks down all of the. Uh, actual soccer stuff coach and that's insanity you don't you don't implement something and and drill it for four minutes and then all of a sudden you take it on the pitch that's that's crazy i um i i made this comparison in my still unfinished and and thus unpublished recap of this episode but um um we know from from sunflowers that ted was inspired to uh to quote unquote you know conceive of total football which already existed by um by his understanding of the triangle offense which was run by the chicago bulls to great success in the 90s and the triangle offense was brought to the bulls by um maybe you guys talked it talked about this already but it was brought to the bulls by uh assistant coach tex winner in the 80s he he uh he coached uh Kansas State. He coached at a bunch of other places, and he came up with it a couple of decades before. He started coaching for the Bulls in 1985. The Bulls had legendary uh, struggles, playoff struggles uh, throughout the 80s. To radically oversimplify the reason why, it's because uh, they they had Michael Jordan, and for a long time, not a whole lot congealing around him i don't want to say they didn't have any talent but they didn't have they weren't functioning as a as a unit um and part of the reason is michael jordan being michael jordan but the reason the triangle offense works is as we're seeing as as uh as we're seeing through coach beard's uh manifestation of in, in total football is that it emphasizes constant movement and constant passing and um it's supposed to i guess it's an ideal in in its ideal form it helps you bond as a team and kind of also forces you to bond as a team because you learn your other players weaknesses and other players tendencies and you know okay if he's cutting then i'm going to pass it to him because that's a you know that's a high percentage shot for him or you know whatever it is it it doesn't apply like perfectly to to football which is much more complicated but but there's there are a lot of clear comparisons my point is he brought it to the bulls in 1985 the bulls didn't start to really get good and understand it and have players develop and congeal around it until the late not excuse me late 80s not late 90s and they didn't win a championship until 91 so it took them about four years to like get to where they were a competitive team not just pushovers and it took them six years to win the whole fucking thing and so i do appreciate ted being ted in this instance but also like no, that is fucking mental. Yes. To nope. just say, yeah, absolutely. we're going to play this in an EPL match in, I assume it's Monday. So in five days, we'll be putting this to work. Like that's fucking now, crazy. Here's the thing we have to, and it is luckily it's a television show, um, uh, at which, which they can get away with the things that you're normal, you're yeah. typically like Phil Jackson or whoever's not going to get away with, um, but, uh, or Tex winner or whoever, um, the uh, the interesting thing I want to bring up here, Ted says, no, it'll be fine. And there's this <laughs> moment where, God, we really have to, we're going to have to come back to this. Because this is, I think it's an important moment and it, it would be easy to gloss over. Um, 
Remember when Jamie comes in and says, Coach, uh, we don't need Zava. We don't need him. We've got a good thing here, right? And and he's like, yeah, Jamie, thanks for your – I think we're going to give it see how it goes, but thanks for – appreciate you telling our opinion. Please continue to do so. Yeah. Now, this is this is the lasso way. Um, always, He's always open for business. He's always wants to hear it. And part of the dynamic with Beard, we talk about how Beard followed Ted to Europe. And we talk about how they have a division of labor. And we talk about, okay, there's the Beard things. Beard's the X's and O's. Beard is a lot of speed on the outside. Thank you, coach. Anything else? A lot of speed. And, right? And so what Beard knows about Ted that we don't necessarily know is the, is the genius that only Beard has witnessed in, in its complexity and its completeness. And, you know, when they took the Wichita, Wichita State Shockers to their national championship on the first year of coaching, um, Beard got to see the Lasso Way work. And so when Ted says, no, it'll be fine, this is like when Beard says, hey, man, like, I know this is implied. I don't often say it, but, like, trust me. That same thing works in the other direction with Beard. So, for example, as great, you know, we've often said, what are we talking about? Ted didn't turn this team around. Like the team started to be good when Roy showed up, you know, or the team was strategically positive when Nate got involved or whatever. We've always said like, what is Ted doing? So many people you go online. There's been two years of people going, what the, why isn't Ted far? He is a terrible coach. He's not a real coach. Um, and the thing is that Beard has an inner knowing about what Ted can pull off and when, which is why they want to be scolded when they they overshoot the mark with the Nate video, <laughs> that sort of thing. But this yeah. is the moment where when Ted says, no, it'll be fine, uh, Be- Beard has a sense like, okay, this is – Ted knows right now. And Ted has enough trust in himself. Now that he's gotten through whatever he needed to get through with Henry and sort of started to con- take control of his life, he has that confidence about it. He says, no, it'll be fine. And so it is crazy to put to put this out there. And for the very first time that I can remember, he says they, – they all start complaining. He goes, hush your butt. Hush your butt. That's it. And he says, it's going to be fine. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> he says, I don't want to hear it. That's not what Ted typically says. But he is so confident in this moment. He knows where everyone is. The whole – the whole uh, you know, sort of – event of everybody leaving the the screening room is him telling everybody to hush how many times do you say hush hush your butt hush your butt you gotta hush them butts isaac come on be a captain get that butt hushed i don't want to hear it van dam right <laughs> like it's just hush your butt everybody and i'm like that is a structural difference that it would be really easy to gloss over that because it uh you know it seems like a Again, it's a little flanderism. It's a, t- a Tedism. Oh, hush your butt, hush your butt. It's almost like what you say to little kids as you pat them on the diapers, you know, like, and, and okay, it's time for you to take a bath. Hush your butt, you're going to be fine. Like, it's it's almost like this. I, trust me, I got this. I know it's going to be fine. Hush your butt. Just trust me. Um, and and total football first... is all about oh, that trust. Ahead, sorry. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, it's all about trust. It, it, yeah, yeah, it has to be. Um. It's the, it's the first soccer thing that Ted has figured out. The fact that it already existed doesn't matter because he didn't know that. He came up with he he took an idea from basketball yes. and and got high on barbecue sauce and and suggestion and made it into a a soccer thing and then vetted it through coach. He said, "Coach, is this yeah. anything?" 
and hands it to him on the on the like. So I think he's got even more than the usual Ted confidence, like the usual Ted calm. He has a real belief in himself that maybe he maybe he feels justified in himself in ways that he doesn't always. Yeah. Um, it's not just about belief. It's well, I thought of this thing, and it turns out it's actually real, and it and, and it works. So, I, you know, I I really don't want to like. I'm not going to be mean to you about it, but I really don't want to hear why it won't work because I already know it does. And, yeah. So it's just a matter of practicing. And, and it's it. iconic. So let's go. It's not like he stumbled on a failing thing that didn't work. He stumbled on the. I mean, the the basis of the modern four three three that they play on like every team now is is has you know its roots in. In this system. And yeah, him coming up with it on his own is important because I don't think we'd ever accuse Ted. He never understood football. He never understood international FUT football. Um, but I wouldn't think any of us would accuse him of having a low sports IQ. And no. we talked, oh God, in the first season, we talked about the difference between IQ, EQ, and CQ, and you know, people have different things. And he's a genius with EQ, with emotional quotient. He is a he is like a deity and 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 this is a point that our 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 beloved trent crim a guy who i have never said a bad word about um i i think there's a story worth telling here Ted. um he uh he will you know wax poetic about see an 80 year old dickensian character (laughs) that was a very grovelly Uh, that's how he talks so uh yeah um so so I think it's I think it's important that this is a moment where you know Ted Ted you know I don't want to say shuts the door on everybody but he says okay just this is where I need you to give it a whirl um and and it, it's a moment it's a moment for the team and it's a moment for Ted yeah also he tore up the believe sign so he literally can't go point at it it's, that's a solid point so um so know. we cut to Keely she is at her desk uh Babs comes in and um John, what does Barbara say here? She says, Miss Jones, we have a problem. The Oh wait, actually, no, we don't. Sorry, force of habit or something. <laughs> I'm just dropping this off. Which I, I thought she was I thought that was going to lead into an insult. Like I we don't have a problem. Actually, you have a problem. This letter just arrived. Here you go. And it's got bad news for Keely. But no, it's just that it was a, a, a weirdly uh Human moment for for Babs, who's still a little bit snarky. Yeah, Katie Nix. I'm a big uh-huh. fan. Like I, I, every time she's on screen, I'm, I'm like getting to. I liked her right away. Um, <laughs> I just thought she was yeah. really subtle and really talented. And the more we see of her, the more I like I like the actor. Um, okay, so uh, Coach, can you continue to play Barbara and Boss? Would you mind playing Keely? Um, and let's just get through the dialogue, and then we'll we'll talk about it a little bit. Before we do that, can I interrupt for a quick uh, observation? Um, uh, I believe it's episode two, whichever episode it is, where uh, where Keeley goes into to Barbara's office to, um, you know, not yell at her, but yell at her for um, for being so rude to Shandy, and she's captivated by um, by Barbara's snow globe collection. Um, if you if you freeze the frame and 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 look at the the snow globes when we get that wide shot. Um, there's a big windmill snow globe from Amsterdam right in the center. And right oh. next to that is a Barcelona snow globe with the, um, I forget the name of it right now. This, the, 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 the church, the, the famous church in Barcelona that took 500 years to build. Anyway, in light of coach Beard's presentation and how, uh, 
Pep took uh, 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 Johan Cruyff, and then also Pep have ties to Total Football and Ajax and Barcelona. Um, that there's another. There you go, coach. There's another pairing uh, of um, of details that they yes. embedded way before they were going to be. I right. love it. Great, great catch, coach. That's so, amazing. Thank you. Um, all right, so Keeley, boss, you play Keeley. Did you look up the church in? in um, I thought it looked like you were looking up the church in Barcelona. Did you look that up? Boss? No, 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 no. I was not. Sorry, I was. Is that I was because distracted by something else that I thought of for later in the episode? Oh, okay. All right. I was wondering if, like, uh, if you um, started like googling anything religion related, if your fingers might burn or something. I just wasn't sure if. Oh no 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 no! Okay. The 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 fingertips burnt off long ago. Don't worry about that. <laughs> okay, good. Woo! All right. No, it's all right. We were. Yeah. No, luckily for us, we were. Our spirits were already broken. Um, all right. Exactly. <laughs> so um, Keely says thank you. Uh, when Barbara says I'm just dropping this off, take it from there, Coach. Uh, Keely says thank. You. Okay. Oh, that's 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 very lovely. Oh, may I? Oh, I, I she she picks up the sense and sensibility. Oh, I, I, I never would have thought that you liked books. Uh, I mean, that you collect first editions. <clears throat> oh, no, I yeah. don't. That was a gift from Jack. Oh, wow. What a, what a very nice gift to receive from your boss. She's not really my boss, right? She's helping me execute my vision. Oh, it must be nice to have such a generous friend that um, delivers expensive gifts to your place of work. Uh, no, no. She gave it to me this morning when we had breakfast together. Coffee. We, um, we had a coffee together at a coffee shop. But, oh, but we didn't curious. arrive together. We came from se- separate places and we met there. She was late, actually. Mm. Well, I had a warm yogurt on the tube in my pajamas. You take the tube in your pajamas. Yeah, sometimes, yes. When I want to beat the rush. And um, then I just get changed in the toilets when I get here. Ooh, smart. Miss Jones. Barbara. All right, great. Good job. <laughs> um, now, Keely and just scene. keeps, yeah, and scene. And Keely just keeps digging the hole deeper. <laughs> Everything she says is oh, the Keely. perfectly wrong thing to say. Um, and, um, you know, she's the one doing the suffering in this. Bar- Barbara, all she did was look at a book, and Keely didn't have to respond or explain or. Uh, and yet she does. Okay, so boss, what? Just give me an overview of what you think is happening. I know what I think, but what is what's going on between these two? I mean, they're going to get along. Are they ever going to? Is this a preamble to them really partnering up or allying, or is it going to be? Is is Bar- Barbara the instrument of Keeley's demise at KJPR? Like, can you infer anything from where they are currently? Um, I would say it's it, for me only because I don't think that when Ted Lasso, the show was working really, really well, it does not do grand gestures. What it does is not trite, but very common plot points and does them extremely well. So you have the aging about to be retiring star. You have the up and comer. You have them sort of working with each other. You have Ted figuring out how to become a better dad because his dad wasn't that good. You have Beard just being amazing because he looks really great in sparkly pants across the continent. I don't think that there's going to be any sort of big subterfuge on Bab's part. I don't think that she's going to destroy Keely. I think that this is 
Keely needs to figure out how to work with people when they do not like unicorn planners and big fluffy pink pens. Like she had this relationship with Rebecca. I think she's having a different relationship with her other boss, Jack, and that Barbara is going to be the thing where it's like, you don't need to learn from these other women how to do these things. You just need to figure out how to work with people. So Barb, I think is going to be not a thorn in her side, but more like, if, frankly, the role that accountants usually play, which is, yes, that's a wonderful, <laughs> that's a great idea. We don't have the money for it. Or where are we going to get the money? Or which budget is it coming out of? Like, I would love to help you execute your plan. Your plan is going to cost $1.5 million. Do you have that? <laughs> so I, I think they will eventually end up. Yep. Yeah. I mean. I, I know. Look at your the shoulder. Show you like, yeah, sorry. Hey, that's what it is. And then and then people like me are like, oh, you're. You're evil. You're evil. How dare you crush my vision? Hey, I'm not crushing your vision. I'm happy to supply your vision. Just show me the line item where you can take it and I'll shift it right over. I know. It, it's exactly. Uh, it's, no, it's literally murder. exactly it's that. Yes, I know. It, and also when you when you just said like you're crushing my dreams, like literally I did think like, well, I'm, I'm not like debt is like just the concept. <laughs> the concept of money is crushing your dreams and I'm trying to tell you how to get out of it. She's the bearer of bad news. She's not the bad news. I love, yeah. I love it. And yeah, I think so it's, I, I, yeah, go ahead, boss. Sorry. No, I just, I believe that their relationship, I don't think that they'll become best friends or that Babs is going to be, uh, you know, bridesmaids at Keely's wedding, <laughs> but I think that they're going to learn how to work together really well. And they are going to have respect for each other in that way. I wonder, see, I've, I've, I was I stepped back and I'm like, why am I not enjoying KJPR? And I'm like, oh, because Keely is the only one cut off from everybody else. Everybody else is like living their lives. She's like on an island. And and yeah, she'll have a meeting yeah. here and there with Rebecca, but it's not this and she's not with Roy anyway. So it's like she really is her own show. And I feel like I didn't sign up for that show. I didn't sign up for Jack. I didn't sign up for Shandy. Um, although I like Shani more than most people, um, and I feel like society failed her more than she failed society. But <laughs> um, I wonder if I don't know. We always talk about how Keely's a really good coach, and and Barbara seems like someone in need of a nudge in a different cu- culture. She needs a little different type of culture than she's experienced at this point. Um, I couldn't help but feel like. There's a subtext here where Barbara is trying to tell Keely something. Like, I've seen this before. I mean, Barbara is Barbara is Jack's employee, or like Barbara was chosen by Jack. Yes. Or, I, I forget exactly what the what the setup is, but they know each other already. They've they've known each other, they've worked together. Um so yeah, maybe she's maybe it's like as she's we're reading it, or at least I'm reading it as, you know, Barbara saying, let me get to these. Oh, it must be nice to have such a generous friend that uh, delivers expensive gifts to your place of work. Like, I read that initially as Barbara being judgmental because she knows what's happening with Jack and she's waiting for it. Like, she's, she's setting Keely up to fall on her face. But you could also read it as... Barbara has seen this before and she's sort of putting it together as she's saying the words and it's like, oh, 
okay, I want to be very careful what I say next because I know how this has gone in the past. Yes. No, no. Um, exactly we already, right. We, the yeah, audience, exactly right. And yeah, you wonder yeah, if yeah. we're going to find out through Barbara or f- through some other means. I always wonder if like Keely's going to just find something in Barbara's desk because she's like, don't look at my desk. That there's That's where Keely's going to get tipped off. And we're like, oh, what Jack does is she's a serial sort of dater who f- funds the firms of people she wants to date and she goes – overwhelms them with love bombs or whatever and then and then uh, but i don't know if you need to find anything in the desk to draw that conclusion we like, don't know we don't know how often that's this kind happens. of already we don't know for sure but it's it, if that comes out you know if, if that's just uh, the next step then it would they've already laid the foundation well, for if it. we also take a look at at the ca- sorry go ahead boss go ahead well just outside of if this is something jack has done repeatedly Anytime that a boss, especially owner, is sleeping with an employee, it's going to be mm-hmm. an issue. I'm not saying that it yes. needs to be and that, that maybe it's Sam and Rebecca and we, you know, it, it might have some objections, but we figured out that that was an OK situation. It, like it's always going to present an issue regardless of the intentions or the motivations or what people have done before. Like. Don't sleep with your boss unless you know that you could sleep with your boss and your livelihood will be okay. <laughs> it's like usually my rule. And as a boss, it's a pretty good rule. And as a boss, like don't sleep with your employee uh, almost all the time. There are certainly exceptions, but in those exceptions, like everybody needs to be aware of the circumstances. So I think by- what's an exception? Just out of out of curiosity, like I I can't think of an exception. I, I'm curious to know. Well, it depends on what you define as boss, because I have definitely okay. worked, especially I've been in nonprofit for most of the time. There was a brief period where I worked in corporate America, and it was garbage. But I had two bosses, but I only actually reported to one. One made decisions, and one was just sort of okay. around. So technically, so you only slept with one of your two bosses. I only slept with one of my two bosses. Is okay. Exactly okay. I, see I didn't sleep with a guy who had hiring, firing power like that. Right. Would, no, that was that's that good brain at work. Exactly. Yeah. 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 No, that's it. I was. That's it. It was just that other guy who I don't know exactly what he did. He, uh, <laughs> I, I know he did something, but he was, was pretty. That's what he did. Well, you know what? He wasn't even because <laughs> now I'm making up somebody <laughs> who I just know based on my taste would not be defined as pretty. <laughs> he would be short. He would have brown curly hair. He would have an attractive face in a weird way. And I would want him to mm. look a little bit like Liv Gallagher. I was just about to say either Lip Gallagher or Jeremy Allen White in the bear. Exactly. Please, please One don't the, open yeah. this powder keg, Coach. Please. This is like <laughs> we only this get is, through a, we only have so much time. Yes, yeah, seriously. We're, I'm throwing gunpowder in the uh, air. No, we have unlimited now time. Listen. One thing I want to point out is uh, I remember in the first time we met Barbara, I was saying like I really relate to her because there are people that put out fires and there are people that make fires. And she shows up and she's always, she's one of the people that like always has shit dumped on her doorstep. And Keely's like, I'd like $40,000 worth of flowers in my office, please. And, and, and Barbara's like, yeah. Um, hmm. And then Keely shows up and she's like, here, here's my friend Shandy. She's our new whatever. And she's like, okay. So the things I just want to point out from, from a character construction perspective, Barbara, if, she really subverted her own strength because of like if we look at the things that we would think of as demerits or things that are less appealing about Barbara, 
it almost comes down to her interactions with people. So the first thing I think we would say is she was very terse with Keely and talked down to her about basically how, you know, how the flower thing could play out. Like, you know, Keely's like, I want these here. She's like, why? And later Keely's like, oh, we, you know, she says, don't go, don't shoot overtime. Like whatever you do, we have to pay for that. So don't shoot. And Keely's like, well, and make the best video possible too. She's like, um, yeah, okay. Like whatever. Because her perspective is like, I have to balance these books and like, I'm, I just don't want you to fuck with that. Um, but the, and, and I think anybody could relate to that, especially a podcast where a incredibly boring accountant is one of the hosts. Um, so, right. Am I right about that boss? I'm sorry. What was I lost? <laughs> Could I have you repeat that? That's what you want to hear the accountant say. One more time. Right. You're, no, yes, no, no, you're exactly. lying. Yeah, spot on, spot on. And so the way where she's hurt herself is how she talked to Keely about the flowers, how she talked to Shandy in that impromptu interview she had, which was really not cool. And then how she acted with Jack and Rebecca at the game when she was like real kiss assy and. Mm fake laugh and you're like what is going on because without those choices i think we'd all be in team barbara right now i'm still team i actually kind of like i like barbara but i think it would be easier to root for her see her as the um voice of reason here if she didn't subvert her own initiatives by the choices she made you know with the specific interactions and i think that's a bummer and hopefully that's the thing she'll get over uh, as if if we get any lasso way character arc for her, I, I a lot of what you just said about Barbara, I kind of feel like it's happened. It's what what they've done with Keely this season. I, I I feel like the like you're you feel kind of detached and, and distant from the the KJPR KJPR stuff because she's she's not with the the rest of the the cast anymore for the most part except for like you know outings with rebecca and and going to the richmond matches but i feel like keely got a lot of growth the first two seasons of the show to the point where when she gets the offer to to have her own PR firm at the end of the second season. It's like, it, it really feels earned. It feels like she's, she's not who she was at the beginning of the show. Oh, yeah, she's, no question. she's much more confident in certain ways. She's taken on, she did a lot of small PR work, like background work uh, within the context of the show. Did you, they, we see her often enough to know that she's always working on different stuff for the players. It's never a focal point, but it's always there. So that it, so that then she becomes the head of a PR firm, and that makes perfect sense. But this season, it kind of, I feel like Keely's really kind of getting the short end of the stick in in a lot of instances in the writers' room. I feel like she's much more meek and indecisive. We haven't seen a whole lot of like resourcefulness from yes. her, where we would expect yes. to from 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 previous seasons it was it like shandy had a great introductory scene at the when at the commercial shoot where she i forget exactly what Absolutely. it was but where she says we'll just do the the this technique it'll make it look like this is a full club and you won't have, have, have him, to hire have him cross close to camera yeah. and have and insert a strobe effect that's the te- we actually talked about that coach and we said 
you know, is is Shandy better than Because Keely? Keely's done and, the and, same and, and shoots the her whole career. Like she's, she's done just as much modeling and commercial work and stuff as Shandy has. So it's not that she has to know everything, but that seemed like, well, that's a great introduction for Shandy. But Keely probably should have thought of that. That's, that's the kind of Absolutely. thing that she, in seasons past, I think she would have. And so, you know, we're, we're, we see her kind of indecisive a lot of times and unserve herself. She's 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 head over heels for Jack. I think she and 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 Jack have. I, I like their chemistry very much. I think they're like we already talked about some of the red flags, but I like their scenes together. But it's it's sort of starting to feel like Keely is getting a love story so that they can break up, so that she can get back with Roy. Less than Keely has her own PR firm and her Absolutely. own problems and issues that that are, that yes. are as three dimensional as she is. That's it, Coach. Yes. That's one of the problems. And again, last season we talked about, I was like really frustrated because I wanted Rebecca to to really embrace her role. Yeah. Last year it was say, Rebecca. Like, oh, I'm going to fi- figure out the cerithium oil. We're going to show her finding a new sponsor. We're going to show her in boardrooms. We're going to show her do- doing the work. Show her being that boss-ass bitch that everybody keeps calling her. Right. Like that's there, there was plenty of opportunity for yes. that. Yes. And we're not seeing that with Keely or Rebecca. And it drives yeah. me crazy because the, the scope of their their experience on this show can tend to be defined by their relationship status. And in Keeley's case, she's just like serial monogamous that hasn't had time to percolate and stew and figure out what she wants. And yeah. so, you know, it just, it can be very frustrating when you love Keeley as much as we do, it can feel limiting um, and, and sort of unnecessarily. So, um, and, and I, and I feel Whenever I say anything critical about Ted Lasso, maybe it's because what we were talking about earlier with with the backlash against the the unjust backlash against um, Nick Muhammad. But I feel like I I, I should caveat it with um, I think Juno Temple is phenomenal in this role. I think she she plays pep and energy and anxiety and uncertainty and all like there's there's such an immediacy to all of her emotional levels, and it just like. She's somebody who she's a character who you simultaneously like want to give a big reassuring hug and want to get a big reassuring hug from like the whole spectrum. Yes, she covers absolutely. all of that really, really well. And it, it feels like this season they've really just limited what that's the, the range of that spectrum. It's just much narrower than it used to be. For Very Keely. well said. Yes. Um, which is weird because these are long ass episodes and I, I'm loving the ride. But well, um, also. We're we're getting so much more time, and and it feels like th- there's still short ends. Keely has one anyway. of those personalities that also reflects back the energy you put toward her. She 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 really reflects yeah. back. Yeah, she and does. she's in a room every day with someone a cranky CFO, and then three NPCs. And you're like, these people are non. They're not yeah. playing. You know, for those <laughs> people that don't know what that is, is a non-player character in a video game. They're just like, That's... what are they? I am. You know, we're going to get to it in, in a later episode, but like. Uh, you get the you get, we're gonna get one beat from the character Dan this episode, and I'm like, oh my! Dan's gotten a couple of little yeah. hot scenes, and I'm like, yeah. okay, like, can we yeah. please, like, I guess, I guess we saw Dan quit, fake quit last episode, and I'm like, I want more from Dan, and I'm like, well, what are the other two yeah. have cooking? You know, if these are hit, these little hidden gems up to this point, it's really served to. Uh, sort of corner or corral Keely into a space where there's she walks out she says oi she leaves the office turns around oi don't do anything I wouldn't do and and it's like nothing, <laughs> nothing. 
nothing. There's yeah. nothing to reflect. How do you back. not even? Yeah. Not even like a little smile or like a right boss yeah. or something. I wonder if um, if if maybe with with Barbara to to go back to your original question of like what's what's going on with Barbara in this scene like what's overall what what what's going on with Barbara what do we think of her I wonder if this is sort of like maybe a really subtle way of the show trying to to uh, answer fan questions viewer questions about like how Ted and Beard first met. Because I think ideally that Barbara and Keeley could grow together and, and feed off of each other and under, like develop appreciation for the other perspective such that they balance each other and work really well. Like, who does Keeley need yes. yeah. at, as, a, as, a, as a boss more than a, a business manager and like an accountant to say, well, we, this can't work or this has to work this way? Like, she, that's totally not a strength of hers in the same way that Ted has an emotional has emotional brilliance and is not a dullard but just until episode six of this season really just didn't seem to be good at even the basic nuts and bolts of how to play football um kind of inexplicably so who better to balance that for keely than barbara who is like kind of weirdly enigmatic in a coach beard kind of a sense almost. yeah we love to um, think about I mean, the beat where she's like oh she really was hoping the game would be as violent as it was <laughs> and you're like yes, oh, this is yeah. a things clip. like that yeah. things like that and you just have the yeah. sense you just think- wait around i'm waiting around for barbara to to give keely the the moment where she's like okay I now accept that you belong in the role that you're in. I haven't seen that yet from from Barbara, and I really want to see it. Boss, sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you. What were you going to say? No, no, no. Just a, a John, what uh, coach? What you were saying is uh, <laughs> uh, very. I think that I said something similar to that when Babs was shortly after she was introduced. That Keely is a Ted, and she needs a beard. Yeah, yeah. And Babs could be her beard, but uh, it, I I think that we need both of them. I. Not just for Keely, for Babs to say, like, yes, Keely, you deserve to be in this role. You are the boss, blah, blah, blah. But also for Keely to fully understand Babs isn't being a, a naysayer. Babs is, in fact, yeah. trying to give her good advice. It's just the good advice is, I'm really sorry we can't pay for flowers that much. And it felt like we were sort of heading in that direction with the snow globe scene because they have a real moment and Keely's very generous and says like, you must be really good at your job for them to send you to all these different places. And in that moment, she also understands how lonely it must be. She's like, you're good at your job. So we're just going to plug you in all these different places and you're going to see them, but you're never going to stay anywhere long enough to develop, you know, relationships and and, and put down any kind of roots. Um, And that's something that Keely's certainly been looking for as well is, is something more meaningful. So, um, so maybe that's where they're headed with it. I, I don't know, but I think there's still room for it. It's just after whatever episode that was, two or three with the snow globes, yeah. it seemed like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna turn. And then since then, it's not really. It's I wouldn't say it's like it didn't happen. That's a little too severe, but it's it's kind of yeah. stalled out. And I want to point out really quickly, uh, like I I don't know how you guys took this, but for me, I, I don't know. It really it was a perfect line um, by the great Phoebe Walsh. Where I'm saying, if you you're you're showing me two characters, and we are predisposed to always sort of like the we we talked about this on another episode, John, how humans 
always trust the more attractive person in any whatever that like they're conditioned like our biology is conditioned to trust them yeah really? it's, it's, it's a horrible horrible thing for humans but the, you you're showing me two characters one of whom uh is you know sitting behind the desk and has what what I would think of as a as a fairly sort of a fairy tale existence and the other one is eating warm yogurt in the tube in her pajamas. And, and she says, <laughs> you take the tube in your pajamas? And she says, yeah, sometimes yes, when I want to beat the rush, which explains I live in a place far enough away that there is a rush. Like this is like all foreign to Keely. Keely probably lives in the easiest place to get to, tons of money. You know, she doesn't have to worry about things like this. And for me, if I'm her, if I'm the one working with Barbara and I hear that, I'm like, okay, I need to factor that stuff in i have to be aware of this dynamic and that i'm it's just a privilege that i'm just glossing over or somehow blissfully unaware of um and so yeah i i hope we get something in this relationship i have i have high hopes for this relationship even though this has been a plot line that i really haven't i you know sort of not been uh connected to in any real way if we're going to give it give it its sort of day in court I think the potential is here for some resolution for Keely and Babs where they get to a better place and Babs feels like Keely finally belongs or, or, you know, sees her as an appropriate or equal member of, of the team, whatever that she has value. I wonder if they'll revisit that too, because, um, and I, I'll say this quickly cause I'm not, I'm certainly not well versed in it, but we, it occurred to me when we were talking about Keely a couple hours ago um that the way that she dresses and it was uh, uh coach coach thor sultan it was when you brought up um uh how much energy <laughs> and time it looks like it takes <laughs> you gotta turn the mic on for the laughter how much energy and time it takes keely to uh just to look the way that she does um and and Evidently, in Britain in particular, and, and I guess in London in, in super particular, the way that Keeley dresses and the way that she does her hair and the way that you know, her outfits and the way that she presents herself are a very specific type of like, um, I guess you would call it somebody who didn't come from money and is like trying to look like trying to look nice, nice meaning like they have some money. Keeley clearly does. We, you know, I don't know that she's like super wealthy, but she was a professional model for a really long time. She was dating footballers. She she has you know decent enough business sense to develop her own PR firm. Like Keely's doing okay for herself, but it it's when you look at like it it just didn't occur to me because I don't know really much about the British class system at all. But when you look at like Keely next to Rebecca and how Rebecca is very proper and very. Uh, her her composure is completely different. Her look is completely different. It's much, you know, like I don't know what you'd call it, smoother. Um, it, it's it's less kind of outlandish. Well, they come from different socioeconomic backgrounds, and they're yeah, yeah. That's all. Yeah, but that that's yeah. That's why I bring it up. Is maybe that's like that. Keely uh, Barber's response about eating eating yogurt on the tube should resonate with Keely, and maybe it will in future episodes because I think Keely is closer to Barbara in that moment than she is to Rebecca, even though I don't question her friendship with Rebecca for a second. But Rebecca's had access to money her entire life. We, well, we don't know that because we, we know she was a bartender at one point. We think that, but we don't. Didn't she? Didn't, didn't her father, her, her family had money. And yeah. I think it was somebody asked Hannah Waddingham 
why she was a bar why why she thought Rebecca was a bartender uh, because her family had money and, and she said she I don't remember if she said like Jason told me this or if she said I came up with this for my character but she said that um that uh she didn't want her father's money because of her relationship with her father and so she just turned her back on it and and tried to go on her own so for whatever that period was where she turned her back on the money she didn't have access to it but then she met Rupert and well, the there's whole no thing question all I mean over we, we talked yeah. about how the type of money Rupert would need to have to lose a Premier League football team and then just go buy another one. So that's like a whole different level of uh, of money. But um, I don't know if we should ever listen to someone like Hannah Waddingham about a character on Ted Lasso. I mean, what does she know? No, that that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Plus, you know, woman. Um, but yes, when Sassy is introduced in season one, she says that mm. she calls Rebecca stinky because Rebecca showed up and was hot and rich and the new girl. And Sassy was yeah. like, oh, well, yes. we're going to have to take care of yes. this. Great. So I think she's always had money. Okay, great point. I stand corrected. Thank you. Thank you, boss. Um, we are going to end it there. We will pick up uh, next time with Nate at his desk. I want to thank uh, Coach Coach John for uh, joining us, for Woo! filling in for Coach Bishop. Uh, you're always – I want to thank you for asking welcome me. to come back and join us. <laughs> uh, Co- Coach, if people want to find you, how would they find you? You mean on social media or you mean your, go to antagonistblog.com? No, your house address. My my house so my house just address give your is your social security number and your and your pin and I think that'll be fine. And uh and it's uh it's a nine digit number. Where are you on social media, coach? Uh until Twitter collapses into the ocean, which will maybe it has while we were talking. Um you can find me on Twitter at uh singing regret underscore in between. That's appropriate. And yeah. Thank you, coach. Boss, where do people find you? Um, also on Twitter until it collapses or until uh, this new, apparently blue sky is a new thing. And I kept reading it. Yeah. I kept reading it blue ski because I know a lot of Polish yeah, people same. in Chicago. Yeah. So yeah, not on blue ski yet, but when I get there, it will be dumbly chambers at Twitter. Um, and also uh, eventually writing the, um, the Ted Lasso post about all of the assholes on the show at Antagonist, <laughs> which is antagonistblog.com. Uh, we thank you guys for listening to us. And um, we want you to support your local libraries, support your independent blogs. There's a lot of amazing people at both places working very, very hard for you to have access to free knowledge uh, all across the board. Um, so we thank them in, in a time when the written word is, you know, can be under siege in certain places. Um, we are so excited to have you all with us and we will be back next time with, uh, season three, episode seven, part two. Um, until then we are boss. Richmond till we die. Oh my God. That was beautiful. It was so clean. <laughs> Oh my god. Coach is coach is gonna be so disappointed that he's fired. I will, I will. Uh, we will be back with Coach Coach Bishop. Please heal up, Coach Bishop. We need you back. Uh John did a yeah, wonderful up. job. Rest up. Um but uh you you are a beautiful, beautiful man and, and we wanna wanna have hear your beautiful voice again. Um we have no singing on this episode, even though John's uh, yes. uh handle is singing regret. Uh, coach, we usually con him into doing a little singing, Coach. So that if you want to hear me sing, you need to listen to the Antagonist.
podcast oh, because there you go. Laura makes me sing on it somewhat regularly. Oh my God. I love that. All right, everyone. Thank you so much. And um, we'll be back with part two next time. Until then, um, yeah, okay. we'll see you. Thanks Salud. for listening. All right. On it. The TedCast is a joint venture between Pajiba and The Antagonist. Visit us at pajiba.com and antagonistblog.com.